Welcome, everybody, to the Saints and Cosmocast. I am your host, Ramses. And per usual, I am not alone here. We have crime writer, Furry. Hello. And we got Benjus. Hello, everyone. Yeah, so it's per usual, um, like it, it's the three of us here. Three of us here. We're, we're you know, we're, we're, we're fine. We're doing good. So let's do, let's do a little bit of housekeeping before we start, before we start the episode. If you notice, for the last couple of episodes, we've been following this new CGI show. And as much as we're liking what we're, what we're seeing so far, we realized that today would, would have been the, the day that episode 12 would have dropped. And that would have been like where we would start. That, that would have been like our next block of episodes. But we kind of decided after after the last episode, Comrade Free brought up the brought up a really valid point of like if like we're not gonna have time to like digest all um digest all those all that and have time to record an episode in time. So what we decided, we called an audible. We called this audible to to do to do a to do something else. And that something else is that we're gonna review the second movie, the the, the discussion for the the last block of episodes episodes eleven to fourteen uh, eleven not eleven nine to twelve. Will happen in the following episode. Will happen in the following episode, episode twenty-two. So for now, we do we do have we, we are going to discuss the second movie. Which if you haven't seen the second movie, so for those of you living in the United States, it's everywhere. It's on it's on Retro Crush. It's on Amazon. It I believe it's also on Tubi. So if you haven't watched it yet, I highly recommend it. It's on a lot of streaming services here in the United States for free, or if you got to pay for or you got to pay for a subscription for it as well. So. If you if you haven't watched it, you know, give it a give it a shot. It's it, it, um, when we get to the review, like we have some we have some interesting thoughts on the movie, and because we have a lack of news, we uh, we're also gonna check a, we're also gonna take a look at the at the manga that we were discussing the other day as well. The what's the name of it? Um, you remember anyone? Uh, Rewrites of Poseidon. Was, yeah, the Rewrites of Poseidon. I should have had that in my notes. Okay, so yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna be discussing that as uh, in lieu of having an actual news report. So we're having two reviews. We're gonna have a review on Re Rise of Poseidon and of the Second Saint Seiya movie. And like I said, if like this might be a short show, but that's fine. We're gonna it just means we're gonna have a little bit more banter. So if you so if you're into the banter and all that stuff, you're in the right place. So why don't we get started by talking about the Re Rise of Poseidon? Poseidon. Alrighty. Um. So, where do you guys want? Who wants to? Let's start. Let's start off first with uh, with Benjus. You 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 helped us out translating it, translating it for us. Like, what are, what are your what were your initial thoughts of it? Already, uh, yes. Uh, well, my initial thoughts of it is like I'm really liking it. Of course, this is like the very first chapter. The we we still have to wait until the next chapters get published to see how the story advances. But the premise and the way that it is presented, I am really liking it. It is very reminiscent to me of the. Um, of the of Kurumada's own style, like every single author that works on a spinoff, they give, uh, they they always uh, partake from like they begin from one idea that usually they discuss with Kurumada himself, and then Kurumada gives him like liberty to do as they please as the story progresses, uh, so long as they adhere to certain topics that that I think he gives them in the beginning, and from there he gives them total liberty. Uh, this is like the very first chapter where we get introduced to the new villain, which is uh, the mm. goddess Nemesis. Yes. She's the Greek goddess of uh, divine vengeance, as as among other 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 things. Uh, I'll, I'll we'll mention it later. And I really liked uh, Nemesis, and so far the premise looks pretty pretty good. The I I, we, I was wondering what exactly they were gonna do if they were gonna just use Sorrento and maybe bring in new characters to inherit in a way the scales of the 
seven Marina Generals, but that's not how it goes. Uh, they bring back the original ones, and the way that they do it is perfectly, it makes perfect sense. They decide to give even Hades, because he's the one that basically allows those characters to return from the dead so that he, they can aid Poseidon in stopping mm. this new menace that's coming to Earth. And I thought that it was perfectly logical, perfectly reasonable, and perfectly in character while giving them a little bit of a new light as to how it was done. And uh, and in the end, the ones that steal the show are I- I- Kiki, um, Shaina, and Sorrento. And I, I really liked it. Yeah. Oh, Conrad, for your, I was, I was going to say, Conrad, for your initial thoughts. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just about to say that that's, it's such an unlikely duo, uh, Kiki and, and Shaina. I can't remember them ever extensively interacting before, unless it was during the Hades chapter, which I famously know very little about because of my history of trying to get a hold of it. Um, so yeah, it, unless they just really got close to that arc, it just seems very weird to me that they're paired together here. But I I love any excuse to get to see both of the characters because they're weirdly kind of my favorites. So maybe they're fan favorites. And I also really like Sorrento. And I really like Poseidon and all the marinas. So, like, I just feel like this manga was, like, they're like, hey, KRF, here's a bone. Take it. Um, the the new villain. Now, I'm a little, I'm a little bit perplexed. Because in the color, so the their first picture for the chapter is this beautifully drawn color image. And in the color mm-hmm. image, she only looks slightly darker. The the new villain, um, why am I blanking on Nemesis. 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 Every time I think of Nemesis, I think of Sailor Moon because of Planet Nemesis. Sorry. There you um, go. If you, there you go. <laughs> but take a drink, in, guys. In the in in the the full picture, she's a little bit darker skinned, but she still looks very Caucasian. Mm-hmm. But when you look in the actual manga panel, she's like shaded much much darker than everybody else, and it looks like she might have been a POC or intended to be a POC of some kind. Because her skin looks, it, it's it uses screening the screening technique that they use in manga a lot to do different scales of gray. So she's yeah. obviously intended to be darker skin. So I it weirds me out a little bit that she in the color photo she looks basically just as pale as every other character, but in the black and white images she looks darker. But either way, she's a complete and total queen, and and I am loving her. I love the angel wings that contrast her like being this goddess of destruction basically that's that's not exactly what she's the god of but she's like the god of like divine retribution and justice and so i'm guessing that the storyline that she's gonna that is gonna develop is that she thinks that she's doing the right thing because she is she's the god of basically vengeance and and justice and so she probably thinks that she's doing the right thing but it's gonna unintentionally be horrible or whatever is what i'm guessing that's kind of what i gathered from this but i Really, really like her is what I'm trying to say, and I love the return of all the marinas. They're probably my favorite group of villains. Um, I'm sure everybody could just guess by glancing which one's my favorite, the big one. <laughs> but uh, oh god, I have some. Somebody... Yeah, I love all of them though. But um, yeah, Sorrento, act. Krishna is aesthetically my favorite. Person, personality-wise, though, Sorrento is probably my favorite. Um, yeah, just based yeah, off he's... of. But yeah, I'm I very much enjoyed the first chapter a lot more than I thought that I would because I was worried that me having more limited knowledge, like I I have 
I've obviously like looked up Wikipedia pages and looked up stuff online about the Hades arc, but I've never sat down and watched or read it myself because it was so hard to find for a long time. And it's kind of we'll get to it when we get to the movie, but I was kind of in the same boat um with this movie that I was with reading this. So this is just a very weird episode for me personally. Um, but but to the point, like I was worried that since it picks up almost immediately where the Hades chapter left off, that I'd be a little bit in the dark as to what's going on. But they do a pretty good job of explaining everything and getting people reacquainted to the continuity and where in the timeline we are. I just think it's fantastic. Yeah, I was gonna say like one of the, one of the good points that you brought up is that it it tells you what the, what's going on without giving you the full spoiler of what's going. On. That's why I think I right. found that's why I found, you know, that's one of the things that that that, that what's one of the things I will hear in my notes that you just brought up that. For someone like you, you have you've not seen the you you only had a brief glimpses of, of Hades. Like me and Bankas, we we you know we we know what's going on, and you know and you know I I read the manga, Bankas read the manga. You know we watched we watched we watched the further we watched OAVs, so we know what's going on too. But it's interesting. It's like they tell you what's going on in the in the manga itself, like where they are, but they don't tell you exactly what they're doing. They tell you, okay, this is what happened, and. Without really giving you more and more of an explanation, and I do appreciate that. That you know that if you're going in cold, if you don't know what's going on with Saint Seiya, or rather you don't know what's going on with Saint Seiya, like post post Poseidon, you have a general idea what what's going on, but you don't have like the 100 like spoiler version of it. You only get like right. the surface version that only that only that only we would that only you only relevant to this information that that's being presented to you. My opinions right. so far is that. Um, I'm. I was surprised by it. Uh, going back to what Benka said, he said that, he, that the art reminded me a lot. Uh, reminded a lot of Kuromata, and I said there. I put down my notes that like the art is amazing. If like Kuromata has to retire at any point, give this person the, the art. Give this person the, the 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 mantle. This person can totally mimic his style. I really appreciate that they're doing that. They that they're mimicking the style in such a way that it's like I I almost completely forgot it was someone else. And. You know, what I like is that, and I love that a lot. A lot. It's like it, it's really aesthetically really pleasing. I really love it. Um, let's see here. Another, another parts of my notes. Yeah. It's, another thing is it's, like, it's weird. It's weird and really great to see Kiki and Sh and China in the beginning of this because like they're a pair we don't really see that much at all in the series. And seeing them seeing them do more than just stand there or do them doing things on their own. Them teaming up was was a, was a really good idea as well. Um, um, can I just say notes. before we before we move on from the artwork that I wanted to specifically call out uh, page twenty three where uh, Sorrento is using the Dead End Symphony like that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Beautiful. It just looks so amazing. Like I I wish I almost wish that that was like a two page photo so that it would work better as like a desktop background or something like that. But I'm sure I think it was genius. No, the the second photo. I guess you could put the second photo up next to it, but I don't think they connect perfectly, do they? No, I'm actually looking at them, and even though it, it is intended to like simulate that it's a continuation from the page, it is a, a different. Interesting. Yeah, they don't line up exactly, so I don't. It would take some photoshopping to get it to line up to look really, really nice. But man, that it's just beautiful. And then the two page from the very end where it shows all of the generals back to back to life looks really really good too and it does really look like Kuromata's artwork like it gives the same vibe without 
without looking like a cheap copy, it gives that very distinct Saint Seiya manga feel to it. Yeah, the thing that I love about the, the style is that, okay, yeah, you can clearly see the, the influence from Kurumada there. But at the same time, you can also see that that it is different enough to stand on its own and, and to mm-hmm. see that it is this author's style as well. So it's like a very weird, very weird thing. And I suppose that it depends on who you ask, like what they will tell you about it. I personally love it. I, I, I like the fact that it both emulates the style of Kermata himself as well as giving it its unique spin because I mm-hmm. think all the characters look fantastic. Like the, the, the female characters look gorgeous. Uh, Kiki looks just like Kiki. <laughs> and Sorrento mm-hmm. is, despite the fact that he looks like his manga self, there's also a little bit of a more stylized uh, touch to it that it looks fantastic. I really like there's the artwork. Something I really, something, I'm, I'll go on. I was gonna say Sorrento looks softer to me than his one, original. One of the things talking about one of the things that caught my attention and I wrote here on my notes is that I love the I love the attention to continuity that um I don't think you guys noticed this or maybe you guys did, is that Sorrento's cloth looks exactly how it was right before right right, right before the end of like right at the end of the, of Hades. Like it's broken into the same parts and everything else. I'm like that is really interesting that they paid that 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 the artist paid that much attention to the detail. To like make it look like like Sorrento how how he looked right after like right at, right as Hades right as the Poseidon arc ended like it, it broke it in the same parts and everything it's it blew my mind when I when I realized I was like oh like I I thought I heard because I was looking through the pages and I didn't I didn't get I didn't um, uh, it didn't it didn't get caught my brain till I, till we got to the point where we were int- we introduced to Nemesis yeah and when when he got to there, I was like, did they did that part did that part of, did they did that part of the armor break during the fight? Because like they get they get assaulted in the in the uh, at the beginning, uh, when uh, Sorrento's introduced. And no, I looked at the page like, oh, it's um he he looks like this when he comes out. And then I and then I started like looking through like reference pictures of like the of the other parts of the of the, the manga, and that's exactly how he looked like when when the when the when at the end, at the very end of Poseidon. That kind of blew my mind. Is that really paying attention to continuity like that? Like those little touches caught my that caught me caught my attention really really good. Yeah, that now that you touch upon that, there's two things about that that I think. Go are on. Fantastic. The first is that yes, this is a continuation from from what happens there because at the end of the fight against Poseidon in the Poseidon arc, the uh, Sean, while he doesn't completely destroy the the scale of Sorrento he does damage it quite a bit and as you say it's exact the damage that shun gave to sorrento it's that exact same damage that's present here uh, because this is supposed to be like a continuation of what would happen afterwards like right after hades uh, finishes and, and to tell this story and another interesting aspect that like one of the things that is like very unique to the clots of athena of the army of athena is that they can heal themselves if they are left in their Pandora's box or if they are uh, manually repaired by someone else. But they do have that ability so long as they're not killed to repair themselves. That is an ability that it has been implied in other extended media that none of, none of the other uh, armies possess, that they have to be manually restored. And that would fit right in with that because like, there hasn't mm-hmm. been any... That, like there couldn't have been any incident where uh, Sorrento's scale would have been repaired, and for that matter, the scales of the other uh, marinas as well. And that's and that's present here. So at least in this universe, that idea it's uh it it's like the established uh, status quo for them. All right, um, Carrefour, your thoughts? Like well, well, everything so far? Um, I. I, don't know, I just I can't get over Nemesis. How much I love her. I well, well, I, well, I well, 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 well,
Well, why don't Go you expunge? Ahead. I was gonna say, why don't you expunge for a little bit for us? Because like, like, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Nemesis. I, I wrote down here so a couple of notes here. It's like, yeah, Nemesis is finishing the, the job for three, that the three other gods didn't finish. And she's that's, got and it, very um, and I. I don't have any other word. She's got very like mommy energy, you know, like, <laughs> like almost. She seems like almost she could be like a like a dominatrix a, a, a little bit because she just loves. Like she gets so much joy out of like seeing people <laughs> that she hates suffer, and it just makes me think of that mommy. Sorry, mommy. Sorry. Like it just, that's what it makes me think. Bayonetta. Of. <laughs> just bayonetta. Very bayonetta. I want to compliment yeah. what you just said because I'm actually also in the Discord server for the uh, Wikia in Spanish. And once the first image of her got released, and especially the, that of the panel where she's sitting with her legs crossed on the throne, yes. like there, there were a couple, <laughs> there were quite a few responses that said, Step on me, please. That's the that's the vibe that I get, for, and, and it's that specific panel that made me feel that way too. That where it's like, whoa, it whoa, whoa. Like the, the point of view is somebody like kneeling before her. Oh, because because they are kneeling before her, I guess. Yeah, they are. They are. And it's like this like upward angled photo, and it's just like she's gonna be stepping on people, and they want her to. And I was and, going back going back to the point that you were saying about like how if, like if she's like if she if she's like you know dark skinned or not. It's like it. What I like is that you can see it's like the light is, is like I think what what why your why your brain is thinking that is because when you see that when you see that panel because like that's the first time we actually see Nemesis. Um, we it, it's like the the light is blinding it like you can see the light shining behind her, but it's like it's blinding everybody. See that's what so that's the, that image that they're seeing from their perspective from Kiki Sorrento and from China's side of of things. Well, she's she has that same greening on her in all of the panels that she's in, not just that one. Oh, okay. And like I said here, uh, um, like we were... 32, she still is very dark-skinned looking. But in the color image, she's, like, pale as can be. So I... But I guess I must not be, pale I must... as can be, but, but not not the skin tone I was thinking. So it's a little bit weird. Fair enough. Like, I wonder, um, if, I wonder if this was sent to, like, a specific colorist, and maybe there was just some communication, like, or lack of communication, I guess, on... Or uh, they don't... Or maybe they're like, you know what, like, or maybe they're like, you know what, maybe this works better if they had darker skin. Like, it's something like again, Oakum's razor. When you when it comes to these things, think Oakum's razor. Like the most simplest, the most simplest, um, the most simplest, um, most simplest of answer is the right answer. So I'm pretty sure they're like, well, you know, let 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 just let just make let just make it. It's like they have dark skin people. There's not a lot, but there are some dark yeah. skin people. Like Cassius had kind of a dark skin. Krishna has dark skin. So like it's not like it's unheard of in this franchise, and but just in the manga panels, she looks she looks gorgeous, and I'm just not yeah. as big a fan of that color image from the very first page. Fair enough. Folding it too, it's like a very she gives very Queen Nehalenia energy. I think that's why that yep, she, take another drink. I keep thinking, but I'm but I'm saying that's why I think I keep flashing back to Sailor Moon is that not only does she have the name Nemesis, which is a planet from Sailor Moon where evil people live. But also, she kind of has that Queen Nehalenia energy. She's got the long flowing hair. She's potentially, like, she's apparently this powerful, like, bad bitch that's been around for millennia, but we're just now hearing about her for some reason in, like, the final bits of the story. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I really, really like her as a villain. And I'm I'm glad that, because I, I was also wondering 
how the how they were going to deal with the marine the marinas being dead like yeah I, I didn't and... know what they were going to do with that so i'm glad that they didn't find other users to use the cloths mm -hmm. or whatever i'm glad that they went with bringing them back because they're so they're the the most iconic villains to me because i don't really consider the gold saints to be villains and we've had that discussion many 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 times about our, if they're villains or not. So, like, out of the, like, straight-up people that they have to fight against and stuff, I think the Marinas were my favorite. All right. All right. Um, Benkas, um, you want to get us start off a little bit with the, with the story itself, or, or is there anything yeah. else you want to bring up? Sure. I'll give a synopsis of what happens in the in this chapter. Okay. So, basically, the story for this spinoff goes uh, the following. After the Saints of Athena... Uh, kill Hades basically. Well, well, a huge spoiler for the, well. In case somebody no, nobody has like seen the, how the story ends in the manga as well as the 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 original anime. Uh, the saints of Athena are able to defeat Hades. They kill him and they destroy uh, Elysium and the underworld. Uh -huh. So this story is taking place right after that, like in a very short span amount of time after that just happened, because Hades actually before he completely disappears. He comes to see Poseidon, uh, he, his soul being trapped in the in his trident at Cape Sunion, and he tell and he asks his for his aid because he foresees that the goddess Nemesis, or in this case, he doesn't name her, but he he knows that th there will be enemies that will come to try to destroy Earth, and the reason why he's doing that is because he. The intention of Hades wasn't to destroy Earth itself, but was merely to wipe out humanity so that he could rule over them. It's mm -hmm. about domination, not destruction. So that's yeah. the argument that he gives Poseidon as to why he's helping them, helping him and humanity in that regard. So he yeah. brings back he brings back the six dead Marina generals. Also, along uh, he also brings back Gemini Cannon in this case to fulfill his <laughs> role as the Marina general of Sea Dragon. So he's he's that's a, appear that's, in this story as well. That's and, a part okay. that, that that got me like I was like really you actually brought him back. It's like wow okay. Yeah, uh, that's gonna be very interesting. But that happens like at the very end. Like he he goes to see Poseidon. And he tells him of what's to come. Poseidon then like in the in that time frame while Poseidon is starting to awaken, uh, Shina and Kiki go to inspect because well before that the goddess Nemesis returns to Earth. Because precisely what happened that by the by the humans killing Hades and Hypnos and Thanatos, the gods of Elysium, she considers this to be like the ultimate sin, like the ultimate um, uh -huh. cross, crossing of the line for humanity. And she decides to finally bring judgment upon them. And she starts to uh, bring down fireballs all over the world and a uh, worldwide SOS alert is risen. So the saints discover that her temple has risen once again in the region of Attica in Greece. So they mm -hmm. go to investigate. Well, China and Kiki go to investigate. Alongside the way, they find Sorrento. But then they get captured by the army of Nemesis to... At, at this moment, they haven't been named. They haven't been given like a, a name for the, this particular army yet. So we'll have to wait and see for the next chapter to see if they get finally uh, given a name. But anyway... They get captured by by them, and they get taken in front of Nemesis, where she explains that precisely due to this reason of the, the humans being arrogant, selfish, and, and rising against the gods, she's going to bring down judgment upon them. They then, like as as they are about, they try to fight back, but obviously they get defeated quite quickly and easily. And just as about they're going to get killed by by the enemies, Poseidon rescues them 
and brings them to Cape Sunion, where the, the other, where the dead Marina generals have already gathered alongside Julian Solot, now in the awakened form of Poseidon. And that's where the chapter ends. Yeah, and that's really interesting. It's like, that also too, they, 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 they kind of address what's going on with like Julian's like, at first they're like, you know, at first was like, but what, what about Hades? Oh, oh, don't worry, don't worry. He's being, don't worry, I wrote down here. Oh, good guy, good guy Julian. Cause he's he's with like orphans and stuff like that, like doing doing his own thing. And he's, and Sarnes was like, you know, he's doing his own thing. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna interfere on this. But and then at the very end, like, yeah, he's like, he, he's already like, he already, he's already awakened again. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. So it's like, yeah, he, like, it's, I want to say he had like a, it's interesting that's like he didn't get a change, that he get a change of heart. He was more like, okay, this is what I really wanted to do. It's not, I, I didn't want to kill anybody. I didn't want, like, I just wanted, I just wanted to, like, I just wanted to see, I just wanted the, the I just wanted to, I wanted to take over this place because, like, I felt like this was that, I, I, that Athena wasn't doing her job and I wanted to just take it over. But, and right now, with the, without anybody protecting the earth right now, because, like, like, when we figure out, because we figured out in the manga, like, later on or rather in or very early on um you know the, the athena and the rest of the bronze things are not there so like at this point so at this point it's like you know these, you know what fine fuck it i'll i'll help out i'll help out just this once so you know it, he's you know he, he's not doing this begrudgingly but he's like you know he, nobody else right here I, I might as well just i might as well just like you know um squat here for a little bit and just see what happens and you know and you know fight off fight, fight off whatever you is coming up so it's really interesting. It's it's interesting in that regard, that, 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 and also also seeing Hades come back. You know, Julian. Well, not. It's interesting to see Poseidon come back. You know, in Julian's body again, because like we we only because apparently wasn't it Kuromata? He said like you know we'd only seen like a fraction of his power. Yes, because uh, Poseidon, like if you remember the the Poseidon saga, like he just starts to awaken fully right at the very end, but he hasn't completely awakened. That's why it's relatively easy for Saori to imprison him again, because he hasn't completely woken up. So you could say that we haven't really seen the full extent of his power uh, yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So uh, go back to my notes here. So yeah, so one of the things that, that one of the things that caught my attention was like is seeing Nemesis's plan. She's like literally, I put down here, we Majora's mask now, because apparently she's like, so apparently she's like, yeah, apparently they, they look they look up and they're saying, wait a minute, is that the moon? No, why look? Oh my god, that is a comet. And she says like, yeah, I'm gonna rain down in ten hours. Um, I'm gonna rain down. I'm gonna rain this this, this uh, I'm gonna rain this huge comet onto Earth. And once this once this baby hits the earth, it's gonna split all over the place, and then I'm gonna destroy this entire planet just because I want because you because the humans have to fight to find the gods for one last too many times. I also wrote down here. I think I, I think you heard me say that. Now this is finishing the job that three other gods didn't couldn't do at this point. You gotta uh, you gotta give go Kuramata um, props in that his villains don't waste any time. Like they always come with extreme small time limits. <laughs> like they're not their plan is not to destroy the world eventually. It's like ten minutes, the world's gonna be gone. Like you better hurry up. Yeah. Oh yeah. We we forgot to mention that because because the time frame that she has given, like before, like the idea is that there's a, a huge asteroid that's going to impact the Earth. Like it's going to, uh, uh blow up into millions or the, thousands of pieces and fall upon the Earth and basically eradicate humanity. And she says that. She's only going to give 12 hours before this happens. 12 hours or 10? 10. Oh, yeah, 10 hours before the, before this happens. So it's like, yeah, you're pretty much screwed. Yeah. I remember when I saw 10, I was like, so she 
she saw Jim and I, and she was like, "Bet, I'm like, <laughs> I, we're gonna go faster and harder." Yeah, well, yeah, you. It took you twelve hours to kill Athena. Fuck it, I'm gonna do it in ten. Watch this shit. But um, women always doing men's job better than men. Hi, oh. <laughs> um, so come right for you. Any, any any initial thought? Any thoughts on the actual story itself that uh, you want to bring up? I just I really appreciated the little touch. It was like one extra line or one or two extra lines. Um, it was either Kiki or or Shina mentioned how strange it was that Sorrento was helping, and he said that this doesn't necessarily make them comrades just because they happen to be fighting the same person at the same time or something like that. And I yeah, I, just, I I love that kind of dynamic to where I mean it's it's kind of the dynamic that Iki takes on in some of the earlier story. Well, actually, pretty much the entire time, um, but where. He just kind of comes and goes as he pleases, and he's sort of part of the group, but not really. But I, I just kind of love that dynamic where people that were previously enemies work together, but they are not immediately best friends, because I've seen that happen way too many times where, um, looking at you, Steven Universe, where mm-hmm. enemies magically become your best friends in the next episode. <laughs> um so I, I like that they included that at least that little bitty one line there, but I'm always happy to have anything Poseidon related. I yeah, it's the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That that that's what pretty much what they're going with at this point. Where it's just like look, yeah. we all have we 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 all have the, we're all we all have the same goal. So unfortunately, we we have to work with each other. So he yeah, saying, I mean, he, he was basically saying that like when this is over, we're we're going back to not being friends. <laughs> yeah, once this once this once this is all over, you, you know, you and me. You know, gives him that, gives him the, gives him the eye, looking at him like, eh, eh. this is, if this was a visual podcast, I'd be doing, I'd be doing something you guys wouldn't even be doing what I'm doing, but this is not a visual podcast. But yeah, um, it, and I wrote down here because, um, I wrote down here because you brought up that point, and also you, um, I, I think, um, yeah, because like Kiki's, Kiki's asking all the important questions. I, I feel like they, they're, 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 they're putting Kiki in the position where they want him to be the audience proxy, asking all the questions. So mm-hmm. it feels I feel like they're I feel what they're doing here with 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 him is like the reason why why they have him there, like because I'm pretty sure like what they want is they want to have someone familiar. They so they have Shina. Like I want to have someone that's familiar with, with what's going on in like in, in the sanctuary, and they want to have someone that's familiar with like what's going on with Poseidon. So they have like Sorrento, and they want to have someone that's like the audience proxy. And I believe that audience proxy is going to be Kiki because he's asking a lot of these questions and doing a lot of the things that we're thinking of. So I'm pretty sure that that's the that's the main reason why they have them like why they have them tag along in this one. The beautiful I'm, thing about Kiki being in this as well is the opportunity for humor to be present in the story without it being forced, because Kiki is that kind of uh, I speak before I think character. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a child, so it makes complete sense. But sometimes it's easy to forget with Kurumada stories and with these characters that you know the the, the saints are supposed to be between 13 and 15 years old, so. <laughs> It's, it's uh, sometimes an argument of like they don't really act their age, despite the fact that there are arguments for that being the case. But keep seeing Kiki being so uh, willing to say the things that are on his mind without thinking of the consequences is is amusing. I love the panel where he starts saying like, "Hey, what the hell is your problem?" and, and she's like, "Morong, shut up!" <laughs> yeah, like, don't, don't you see the size this cause? Don't you see this is you're actually talking to a god? You shouldn't be saying this shit. speaking up, hey. It's like, you're going to get us killed, bitch. I'll, I'll be really <laughs> interested to see if they, like, are they going to keep those two as the main character, Kiki and, and China, Or is it going to lean more heavily into Poseidon and his subordinates? I think I that if I had if I had to bet, I think that they will be relevant to the story. I don't think that they would have been put here 
to they would have been put in, in this chapter without them. Maybe they're not going to be the main focus, but I do believe that they're going to be heavily involved in the story. One, because you cannot completely set aside the other saints that are still left alive and in a way protecting the earth. It's like it would be the classic syndrome of, of like the Avengers is like, while this tragedy is going on, where, where the hell are the Avengers, right? Where the hell are the others? It's something, yeah. Like so, I, I think that gives it a very good opportunity to bring in these characters, particularly because even though China has probably been the most active uh, side character in the main story, like she's the one that she appears in after, uh, after the, the sanctuary arc, she appears in Poseidon, and she appears even though she's not that involved, she does appear like in when when the beginning of Hades, as well as at the end, the protecting like on the realm of her trying to protect the say a sister. So it makes sense for her to be the proactive saint here. And I really like that because it also gives her an opportunity to shine because, it, it, again, with Kermata's stories, if it's not a main character or if it's not directly involved with the plot, he's not going to give them the time of the day. So it's a very good opportunity to give these side characters a bit of time in the spotlight, particularly very beloved characters such as Shine and Kiki. So I really like the fact that they're here. They're, I don't think that they will be like, like every chapter is going to focus on them, or they necessarily are going to appear on every chapter. But I do think that they're going to be heavily involved in the story, possibly. All right, all right. Um, I, I guess well, I guess we can we can wrap things up because like you know it, it's it's it, we only got like one chapter and like we can we we can only go so far with the chapter. We can only we can only dissect so much without us knowing. So any final thoughts, Conrader Furry? Uh, I mean, I, I said pretty much everything I want to say about it. it it's okay. really nice to see the characters back. It's nice to see. A different take on the artwork while it's still feeling familiar like that was a really cool thing to do and i i mean like you said we only have one chapter so it's hard to decide with when it comes to manga i like to get pretty because normally in the united states so we up until recently i guess we would have to get like combined volumes of manga so i'm used to reading like five or six chapters at once to get a good feel of it because it's hard to get a good feel of what a, a particular manga is going to be like with one chapter, so it's hard to say. It, but it looks very, very promising. Um, Bekas, you have any any thoughts uh, on your end? Final thoughts? Yeah, the, actually, three three of them, uh, really quickly. The first one is like I am really loving how this is going to turn out. Uh, I've always, non ironically, loved the Poseidon saga the most out of the classic story, it, even more than Hades. There's something about it that I just have a very good fun, uh, great fondness of. And seeing those characters being expanded upon and finally being given the time of the day to, to tell their own story, something that I'm really looking forward to. And so far, everything looks very promising with this very first chapter. That's one. The second, uh, I loved, and what do you, and I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on the bickering between Hades and Poseidon. Because it, oh, yeah. you, can, you, can, you can feel that uh, brotherly uh, that that uh, brotherly affection that it's like on the borderline of hatred. It's like you're my brother and I do care for you, but at the same time, fuck you. <laughs> because yeah. the, way they, the way that they address each other, even though it's very godly and very formal because of their positions, you can see that there's like, oh, you're you're here, you fiend, and ha, you're you look so helpless. It's like it's very amusing to see. Yeah, it's like you're like, but it's also like one of the things where it's like, aha, look, 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 look at you now. We're both dead, you motherfucker. <laughs> but so, yeah. but yeah, I I I found it interesting because like I I and because like because going back was how um when you're about to be a little bit more serious, it go it, 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 it like their bickering also gives us a little bit more of an in depth glimpse as to like how 
how like the how the mindset of like uh, of um of Poseidon was because you know we like like as like like as you know even though like it's well beloved like we, we I think we I think all of us can agree that like Poseidon was like one was like one of the better arcs mm-hmm. uh, and it was like a worthy successor like depending on like where, where if you're like if you're reading the manga or if you're watching the anime it was like a worthy successor either to the Asgard arc or it's a worthy successor to the to Twelve Houses arc regardless. Like you get like as, as much as as much as we as we we found out that we like that we also didn't get that much time to like get more like more into like what's going on exactly with like Poseidon himself so it, it gives us a little bit more like the bickering does give us like a glimpse as to like what his what his mindset is what he's actually thinking what he uh like like wh- wh- why he did the things he had like why he did the things he did in the in his arc and it gives you a a good glimpse as to like hey you know. Like he, like it gives us also a little bit more sympathy when when we get to the point where it's like okay, so instead of instead of all of us like like um, like magically getting along and then all of us like like getting and all of us like magically like 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 getting um like magically like everything gets resolved and everybody's good a good guy, here it's like okay we get at least now we at least now we have a there's like a common there's a common cause as to like why we're why there's a, why we have to do this and why Poseidon decide to take on this mission yeah actually because it gives perfect sense as to why is this character going to protect the earth one of the things that it's always very tricky to with these kinds of stories is like you have to be convincing and coherent as to why the character's motivations especially with what has been presented because in the end these two characters hiatus and poseidon they try to destroy humanity but it is very well established in the story that their intent was not to well Hades was a little bit more ambiguous because it was kind of like he was going to destroy the, the planet, all the life on the planet. But he didn't want to destroy the planet itself. He just wanted to rid it of, of humanity. And Poseidon did the same because he thought that humanity had gone corrupt to the point of no return. But their, but their intent has always been to rule over the Earth, not to destroy it. So it makes perfect sense for that to be the motivation. It's like, you, like Nemesis wants to destroy the planet. She wants to destroy everything on it. So it makes sense for those gods to interfere to avoid that because it it uh, it falls in their interest to stop that. And I thought that it was a very good way to handle it. Conrad, right, for your thoughts, um, I I agree a lot. I, I mean, I agree with most of what you're saying. Like, I I also was again. I hate it that I have to admit how little I know about the Hades arc outside of just reading information about it. Um, I'll explain more when we get to the movie because it also has to do with the Asgard arc, but we'll we'll get there. But um, I, I agree that I'm very glad that they took the time to give them the correct motivations and that it worked with what had been previously established. And it is really interesting to see them talk to each other because I, I personally had never seen them communicate with each other before, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, um, very... It was just a part that I, I guess, didn't put as much thought into just because of my lack of experience with Haiti. Fair enough. Fair enough. And your last point on Mechas? Uh, I was just going to say that it is, uh, <clears throat> it's a bit sad that uh, with only one chapter, the, the spinoff has already gathered more attention than Darkwing. <clears throat> oh, wow. That's Ow. It. Ow. And the worst part is, it's like, the uh, um, Darkwing is just like, oh my! It's like it's like yeah, I'm surprised that that one didn't take off because it's like it's an isekai and all that stuff. But it's like, well, I, guess, I guess some things shouldn't be an isekai then. Uh, yeah, we should probably dedicate one day. One day I'll translate those chapters so that we can discuss them properly because it deserves its own conversation. That particular spinoff, or maybe it just des- it deserves the lack of 
of of the lack of conversation about that spin-off deserves its own episode, I think. Something we can something we can consider like in our in our off time when we when we take our breaks so or something that we can like because like like I, like what I was discussing with you guys off off show off like uh, uh, like off the I mean off air is that you know I, like th these ideas are like doing these these things like based on the spinoff stuff would be like an interesting like you know deviation as we like, where we can talk about like like for like 10, 15 minutes in our um you know when we when we take our break so we can like put those in like in our, in our extra episodes when we take our break in December. So we'll put that. We'll put a pin on that. We'll put a pin on that. Um, on on that on that um on that idea, for later. Um, my final thoughts is that I'm I'm really liking what's 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 there so far. I only have one question though, and maybe you can answer this one, Benkhas. How frequently are we going to be getting these chapters? I don't know. Like it, it supposedly should be monthly because I think this falls with the other spinoffs. Let let me check real quick. I think that this uh, spinoff is being published in the uh, Champion Red. And yes. the publishing schedule for that is monthly, so theoretically, it should be once a month. The, the, All right. This the first chapter was published in September, so maybe around mid October we should be getting the other one. Let me just uh, uh, try to, to clarify that information. But so in the, the meantime, final... yeah, it theoretically should be monthly. Okay, the, sounds good. The final panel just says, "Wait for the next chapter." The publishing date will be announced in this magazine. So somewhere in that issue of champion red that wasn't on this panel was uh was that was like a lit was like a list of like what's, what's gonna be what's what like what's gonna be uh what's gonna be published next yeah sorry i i was trying to read and talk at the same time it says wait for the That's next fine. chapter of this spectacular story the publishing date will be announced in this magazine so maybe on in another part maybe like in the table of contents or maybe there's like a place with like information that we just didn't get scans of that has the publishing schedule on it but that's what the last panels are. all right all right so i like that's the thing it's like right right now it's all, all ambiguous because like it could be it could be like it could be one of those like is for all we know it could be like at the author's like at the author's discretion like whenever they whenever they get their stuff ready so it's like who knows but like i said i'm i'm excited to see where this goes they haven't the thing is um like like i said like it's hard to really judge anything with this just one chapter but the, it's a it's a solid start to what what's going on. But it's like, I just don't want to. I like I have this big fear that they're gonna that something's gonna happen that's gonna that's gonna fumble the ball. But we just have to wait. We just have to wait and like hope that, that nothing that not, that they don't that they don't do that. But so far it seems promising at, at, with with everything that with everything that we've read so. Alrighty then, that's uh, that should be it. So why don't we get on to talking about the second movie the. Uh, Hot-blooded battle of the gods, or the heated battle of the gods, or if you watched it in Spanish, like Gran Batalla de los Dioses. All right, <laughs> alrighty then. So, um, first things first, I want to ask a question. I want to ask a question to both of you guys, and maybe you guys can okay. clarify this. Um, how popular was Yoga? Uh, he is a very popular character in the original Japanese polls, like the ones that were made when the story was being published in the he was the second uh, most popular character. Wow. Okay. All right. No wonder. Because like I was on the state in my notes here. It's like it's amazing. It's kind of crazy to see that Hyoga is getting such so much getting so much attention in two movies already. In the first movie, he's the one that, that that's in contact with is in contact with Ares, and now like the entire freaking movie is 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 predicated on on him being being you know in Asgard. So you know it's 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 insane. It's, it's, I was just wondering like how popular was he. To get to get to, to get to get to get to this point, to get to this point with and um to get to get like a spotlight to in in two movies like very early on. Um, 
so here's some information right here. The movie was released in 1988. It was paired with a with with two other animes, Lady Lady, Biakuniman, and Comrade Black are um black. So there you go, Comrade Furry. It's paired off. And it's and it take and it was released on the March 12th of that year. And if we were to take this in consideration, we would have been at the we would have been in the middle part of the fight between uh between Aphrodite and Chun. Yeah. So that should give us a little bit of that should give us a little background where we are in the actual series itself. So not quite where we are where we were the last time because in the last time when we did when we did the first movie, we kind of actually like we we actually kind of like aligned itself pretty well to where we are. This one this one's a little bit more farther up ahead, but what's interesting is like it doesn't really spoil much at all that we're gonna see much later anyway. So you know, let's see. So any any thoughts on like on on this latest information so far, um, Comrade Free? Um, I just, I didn't know that this aired when, you said this aired towards the very end of the Sanctuary arc, right? Pretty much, yeah. I, for some reason, I just assumed this aired while Asgard was airing. Because I thought so too. Asgard. I thought so too. That's but you know, <laughs> but then again too, I think, I think, I, I think like, I think it, I think if it, if it aired during Asgard, it would have confused people even more. Well, I, my takeaway from this, and I don't know. I don't know how funny everybody else is going to find this being, but I found it hilarious because I guess you could consider since this is the 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 what did they call them the God Warriors? Is that what they yeah call yeah. them? So the God Warriors in this, I guess, were kind of like the B tier um, gods from North mythology. They kind of are because the the other ones in the show got fleshed out a bunch more. Mm-hmm. Not well, I guess not a bunch more, but at least it was more episodes. Like they, like they, they didn't die like three seconds after they got introduced, like in this, uh, because of the runtime, because it's like a forty-minute movie. So the run, they're more like you, you like thirty, it's basically just like yeah, yeah. two episodes. Yeah, it was going to be very difficult to flesh them out. So I was going to say, like, I, you, I can see this could be the B tier, and it's it's amusing to me because. This came out in the 80s before, like, long, long before Marvel movies and stuff. But Marvel movies have kind of made, because of because of how popular Tom Hiddleston's character for Loki is, has kind of made Loki, like, the, other than Thor, basically, the person, the god that you think of. When somebody says North mythology, everybody's like, oh yeah, Thor and Loki. So I think yeah. it's funny that this is from a time before Loki was considered, like, an A-list Norse god. <laughs> Fair He's enough. relegated to this movie where he does almost nothing. And I just oh. I, I think it's so funny because in stuff now, like if we if we look at like Record of Ragnarok, uh, which also has the North Gods in it, they made a point to include a Loki character because he's just so popular in pop culture now. And that's what mm-hmm. people think of, like or in Loki when you think of North mythology. But this was before I, I I really I guess we have to credit the Marvel movies for like changing the cultural like like I would I don't want to say zeitgeist I hate that word but you know like the the cultural like the perception um, yeah perception of of Norse gods because I remember when I was a kid if you said Norse gods I would instantly think of Odin partially because of Saint Seiya partially because of the Final Fantasy series because he was a pretty prominent character in several of the games there. And so I just I I think it's funny because I was every time one of the characters would come up with this I was like ooh that's a B list that's that's a B list <laughs> North God like ooh like Freyr I don't even know if I knew that that one existed but okay like whatever I knew Freya from yeah. Final Fantasy again but <laughs> well then again we we get we'll get to Freya 
when we eventually get to Hades, and well, not to Hades, when we get to the actual Asgard arc. Yeah, it was it was just a little it was a little bit strange that especially now that you put it into context when this came out that they were already playing with the idea of having other gods and stuff because the whole point of the Asgard arc, if I understand correctly, was that they caught up too quickly with the manga, correct? Yes. Yeah, like they, like all like all fillers. The idea for Asgard in there for a while, then it's just it's just wow. Yeah, I actually have uh, well, some, some information to complement uh, what you just mentioned for of the dates because I thought that it was it was a very interesting uh, point because uh, a lot of people like okay the Asgard movie like the, the movie that we're talking about right now uh, Saint Seiya Kamigami no Atsuki Tatakai uh, it's it was it came out as you said on the on March 12, 1988. However, mm. episode 74 of the original anime, which uh, which introduced Asgard, debuted on the 23rd of April, 1988. So there's only like a month uh, difference between the <clears throat> the release of this movie and the, the Asgard arc. And apparently a very common thought is that the movie came out, like they re just retook the assets and, and uh, that part of the second movie to to adapt it and utilize it for the filler uh, part of the anime for the Asgard arc. However, uh, with these dates being only one month away, it's more than obvious that they had had to have been working on this uh, even prior to that because like they, they were catching up. And apparently, well, the the writer for the movie was uh, Takao Koyama. He he's the one that wrote the script, and he's also credited with the uh, the original like outline for the Asgard arc. So uh -huh. so most more than likely, like he was, they were kind of working not simultaneously, but they were working in that same time frame for both of these projects. Because let's remember that uh, producing these movies as well as the ideas for the TV show, because it continued to to keep going, like it didn't take a break back then. They had to have been working on that prior to those episodes actually coming out and to this movie coming out. So I think that uh, time frame gives us quite a bit of a picture of how the entire Asgard project for Senseiya was handled. Yeah, and, that you, and like you said, like you know, you brought up an interesting, another interesting point that the guy, the same guy who's doing, who did the writing for. Asgard, who came up with all that, all that stuff for Asgard, did this movie. So I can, and I wrote down here because, like, we get to see some of the characters, and we get to, and I said here, um, oh god, we'll get to that later. Um, so the two, so the, so the two um, god, um, the god, god warriors that we get to see, the two other ones that can, that come before it, I feel like those were like prototype designs for like all the other. I feel like, like I feel like there were like, like I know, I know, I know, I'm skipping ahead, but I feel like those designs. Like I feel like they mashed all those designs together and they came up with these two characters from all those designs that they that from those designs from from the from the Asgard arc. Yeah, the, the, there must have been like elements that got reused. Actually, now that you mentioned that, there's there are a couple of things that I want to mention regarding the the designs. The first one yeah. that that has to do with reusing assets. Actually, the design for the character of um, oh god, I his name just escaped me of Hagen what? of uh, of of Hagen. It was uh -huh. actually made for this movie. Like that was one of the designs that uh, uh, Araki Pro had made, and that the original intention was that character was to be the character of Midgard in this movie, prior uh -huh. to Hyoga taking on that role. But oh. in the in the end result, we never saw that character. That must have been like a pre. Uh, sorry, I forgot the term, but you know those ideas that, that get put on the table but then get scrapped out during the, the middle of production. 
Yes, pre-production. Yeah. So during pre-production, that idea like was pitched, and it apparently that was what's speculated because it has never like been one hundred percent confirmed. But it that that was he was going to appear, and then he was going to get replaced. Well, he that, that character was going to appear in the movie one way or another, but it never came to be. So they reutilized that asset because apparently Mitch Jimeno was extremely fond of that uh, design, and that's why they reuse it for Hagen later. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, th- that's one thing. And the other, prior to, to so that we can continue discussing the designs, uh, even though Kurumada wasn't as involved in giving ideas for the plot of the of the movies after the, the first movie, if, from this movie onwards, he just uh, gave some designs, uh, but we have never really known what he gave for movies three and four. But for this movie, it is confirmed because the designs for the, the faces that Kurumada made for the characters of Dorval, Frey, Freya, and Loki are confirmed to have made by him. That makes not sense. The, like, not, not the armors, not the armors, just the, the character design. Yeah, and and it is kind of weird when you see Dolber and uh, Freya, Freya and Loki. Like they have this Kuromata like like look to them. Like they like they like it looks like something that, that belongs to the to like belongs to this to this world, to this world of Saint Seiya. And then you can see the other guys are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, you, you can totally tell it like they, they, that these guys were an afterthought. And when we get to something later, it's like, well, one of these characters is actually one of the other characters from the series. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was only another question. What was, um, who was the character designer of, of this movie? Was it Shingo Araki that, that did this? Yeah, well, Araki Production, I think that Shingo Araki and Michi Himeno, as well as some other assistants, okay. were involved in the designs for the for the movie. Araki Pro was heavily, um, like, usually w- when it came to the big projects, uh, Himeno and Araki were the ones that they usually, like, focus their time on on doing these things. Um, can I refer to anything, like, on design or, or anything in general with what's going on with the series itself? What What's on your mind? Uh, I just, I, I had a thought, and it's one that I've, I've talked about very lightly before, but we were just, we were talking about like the continuity and how these are being worked on kind of at the same time and how they are very reminiscent of each other, but at the same time different. And there were some of the assets were reused and things like that. And I just from watching, you know, cause I have my own podcast, of course, where we watch old, older anime and stuff like that. And I think that just, it was back in the day, the, the reason, cause ugh, Hold on, let me focus. <laughs> Back in the day, a lot of the anime movies were non-canonical, um, sometimes a little off the wall, sometimes included these characters that would never fit into the show, or characters that were like redone versions of characters in the show. And I'm not just talking about just Saint Seiya, but a lot of anime from the 80s and 90s was like that. And I think it was because there wasn't a super reliable way to rewatch stuff because like now when a marvel movie comes out the big fans that will go back and rewatch several of the old movies to get caught up on it but that wasn't really something that you could do very easily back in the late 80s or even the early 90s like vhs's even when they did start to come out were very expensive and same with laser discs and other yeah. things of that nature so i think that the movies were so seemingly random and misplaced and non-canonical because they wanted people to have a good time without having to worry about being completely caught up with they are in the story because like you said when this movie debuted they were still in the sanctuary arc albeit the very end of the sanctuary arc but this this made it to where people weren't having to keep up specifically they could go in with a broad idea of the characters in the show and still enjoy it and still be entertained instead of 
having it be like you have to stop at episode 56 watch the movie and then keep watching because that's how a lot of media is now <laughs> yeah looking at you common rider do that a ton and it annoys me um but that was just kind of my feel from that conversation before but as far as the the character designs we all know who my favorite one is like at this point it's not <laughs> even funny to say it anymore oh my god i i wrote i wrote down here when i first saw that character cover writer fodder cover writer free fodder yep. yep i mean i i love him i i wish that he'd been on the screen a little bit more um, but that being said, I like all of these designs, but I do have to say that this episode in general is making me feel a little bit imposter syndrome because we started talking off, we started off talking off, uh, we started off talking about, there we go. Uh, we started off talking about the Hades arc and stuff that happened in the Hades arc, and I'm not super familiar with that. And while I have watched the Asgard arc and I've watched this movie before as well, it's been a long time because... I, I when I was rewatching the new dub on Netflix, I got to I finished the the first arc, the sanctuary arc, and then I didn't really care a whole lot about the Asgard arc, and I was excited to hear the voices in English for the Poseidon arc, so I skipped to the Poseidon arc and I didn't watch the Asgard arc. I intended to go back and watch it, but then I started this podcast and I was like, it's gonna melt my brain if I'm watching two different continuities at the same time. So it's like eventually we'll get there, and then Netflix took it off, and I I don't know like oh I, just, Lord. I feel like I'm spiraling at this point, <laughs> so I apologize to everybody listening. Um, but yeah, I I just I don't remember the of of everything in the Saint Seiya canon that I've uh, watched and experienced. The Asgard is probably the one that I remember the least. So I super apologize if I say anything that sounds completely off the wall during this recording. <laughs> That's fine. That's perfectly fine, you know, and, and, and you know, it, 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 it's a, but here's the thing, like, like, if you take it as face value as like, 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 as, like you, 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 what you are right now, you're the audience proxy right now. You are, you, you have, you, you have the insight of someone that's, that's not seen that, that part of the series yet, or rather they have some knowledge of what's going on in that part of the series, but, you know, they haven't been fully inversed in it. So you get a good, so this is going to be a good, like, you know, Someone looking from the outside looking in. So I, I so I, I would so like don't worry if you feel too bad because like I, I see it, I see or where you see it as being a detriment, I see it as a positive because I see like you know we can we can make this work. We can totally make this work. And like I said, you're gonna you're gonna be our audience proxy. You're gonna be the one that's gonna be like you know telling us like you're gonna be asking the questions that I'm very sure the audience that's never that that has they're playing they're playing catch up with us watching the series as we're as we're doing it right now you're gonna be one asking the questions that we that you that i think pretty much everyone else could be asking by the way i'm pretty sure I, I, by the way everyone please please start submitting more questions because like it's, it's i'm getting very it's getting very lonely in my in my inbox i'm getting a lot of spam messages uh, anyway my only question with this movie is what the hell was going on with yoga oh uh, well okay, okay. okay. so what, yeah, why, why don't we when 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 do we get when do we get started and talking about the actual movie itself what what's what's start off with that question then one. Well, so at the beginning of the movie, so Hyoga is in Asgard because reasons. I don't remember if they ever said the reason why, but he, he wasn't the man. Oh, go ahead. He was, he was he was actually in Siberia. Oh, I thought he was in Asgard. He was in Siberia. No, he was in Siberia. That's oh. where the movie starts. Oh, so he's he saves a man in Siberia. I guess that he's there, you know, wishing that his mom was still there or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know, but he saves a man and then he gets attacked and and basically kidnapped. And the a big plot point of this movie is the 
other Bronze Saints minus Icky trying to find him and Sayori trying to find him. And mm-hmm. just but the, there's just some weird happenings with him. And I don't know if I feel like I was paying well enough attention. And I remember being confused the first time I watched this movie as well. But he gets kidnapped and there's so he gets he gets kidnapped. Then Sayori and her group go to Asgard to ask um, you know, the gods there, if they know anything about it, of where he would be. And, of course, they say no, that they don't know, et cetera, et cetera. And we see a character who, spoiler alert, turns out to be Hyoga. Mm-hmm. In armor. Like, he's uh-huh. he's been, you know, corrupted or whatever to fight for them. But then, like, one or two scenes later, we see him, like, tied up in a dungeon. Like That's not like him. He's got... Who was that? That the was... Most... That... That was, that was Frey. Okay, you know, I, I thought that was Yoga. Okay, now I'm much no, less confused. No, because the thing was, like, I thought that too. I thought I put down all my, I, I put down all my notes here. It's like, why is, how the hell is, how the hell is Yoga teleporting all over the place? But then when I watched it again, I was like, oh, that's Frey. I thought okay. it was Yoga. Okay, I 100 because like when I, that was Yoga. Because like when you watch it again, like it, it was, it was Frey's voice. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. It's supposed to be Frey, not Yoga. Okay, this makes perfect sense now. I'm much. I was. I was. <laughs> I'm. I'm told. I was with. I. I wrote down exactly that in my notes. You're not alone. I, I literally have Yoga is chained to the wall? Question mark Because it was the scene after, like, he makes that awkward eye contact. But I think it was like Shiryu or somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Shiryu. He makes like really awkward eye contact. But I was like, I'm pretty sure that that's Yoga. And then they showed him chained to the wall. The where they show Freya chained to the wall. I was, and I thought that was Yoga. I was like, okay, maybe that's not. Like, maybe it's maybe it's like somebody pretending to be him. Like maybe this cloth. Like on my my first time watching it, I mean, like I was like maybe this cloth like imitates people or something, yeah, and, or like it's their personality. But then he started using diamond dust and stuff that like only people that have trained under the in the anime it would be the Crystal Saint or or um Camus Camus anybody they would have to train under one of those two to know that. So I was like, no, that this this has got to be Hilga. Like I, it was a very confusing experience the first time, but now that I can't believe it and. All of the times that I've watched this movie, I've never realized that was Freyer the whole time. It is um, a bit thought, of a... It, I was going to say, I was actually turn it to you. It's a bit confusing to see when the first time you've watched it, but yeah, after the second watch, uh, you can start piecing some pieces together because remember that, uh, like, Hyoga, like, he appears in the very beginning and he's the one that, quote-unquote, says, because in the end he dies, that character from, that random from Asgarth, and that's the like the, the line that makes them want to go there to see what the hell is going on. Then apparently it's implied that Hyoga goes by himself. Like he, he apparently he's closer. So he decides to go before informing the others. The others know because he informed uh, Athena of, of what's going on with Asgard. And then he goes there. But then like before the title com- ends uh, the introduction, we see him that he's uh, like defeated with his cloth uh, broken. So apparently he was defeated when he went to Asgard. And then uh, the the villain, which his name is Dorval, Dobler. Uh, he he used like a technique that's implied to be something similar to the to the uh, demon fist from Saga, so to control his mind. So that's why Hyoga is acting on behalf of Asgard at, at the, throughout the almost the entire movie. Mm. But yeah, so 
So yeah, we're like as we as we began, it's like as as we as we mentioned, like the movie begins. Um, we we cut to Siberia. We we get to see we get to see this old man getting beat up, and we get to, and then he gets saved by Hilda. Hilda Hilda asks him like, "Hey, what's what's going on?" And then he tells him something. Open and now we need we need help. And he goes out to Asgard. I, yeah, he goes out to Asgard, and you know he gets his ass kicked. And then they're like, "Okay, so we haven't heard anything from Hilda. We better like we, we better have a we better we we better like go and check out what's going on here in Asgard." So you know, thus the movie starts. You know, the movie starts proper. We get to see Pegasus Fantasy. That's what I'm gonna say. Like this, this is like a this is more like a 38 minute movie because you have Pegasus Fantasy and you got the ending part here as well. So it's, it's so. But yeah, if, if you like, and it makes sense that, that you would get confused, kind of right, because like when you when your allowment of time is like 38 minutes, sometimes you get sometimes you get confused, and like that's why I had to watch it again, and I have to watch it again in Spanish. There was another really confusing part that happens towards the begin. Well, it, it it starts in the beginning and then it culminates towards the end. But one of the tropes that happens, not just in Saint Seiya, but I mean, it happens a lot in Saint Seiya. And I keep pointing it out when I see it happen, is they like to force rivalries between characters so that they can have these big epic fights between them. And they did it in the last movie. They're doing it in this movie. They did it in the Sanctuary arc. They did it in the Poseidon arc. Just like kind of finding one person that eventually like Shun is gonna you know face off against, one person that Shidi is gonna have a drop down drag out fight with. And they do that at the beginning of this movie because they go to Asgard and they ask, you know, have you seen Hyoga? And they say, no, but we can lead you to the mountain um, so that you can look for yourself, you know. And so Freya and Freya take them out of the main castle area, whatever you want to call it, like where all the gods are. Mm -hmm. And on their way out, they have these like really awkward encounters with their rivals. But... Seiya doesn't talk to Loki that much, who ends up being his rifle, and instead talks to the big guy and, like, has some, like, sassy things to say to the really big guy, who ends up being Iki's fight. And it just, it was weird, because I was kind of expecting that to be, like, Seiya to fight both of them, because, I mean, of course Iki's gonna show up somewhere in there, but up until now, uh, up until that point, we hadn't even seen them mention whatsoever. So I was kind of expecting Seiya to fight both of them, because Seiya often does get kind of doubled and tripled up in the fights that he does, because he's the main character. Fair enough. He's the shonen protagonist. So it was very jarring when Iki came out of nowhere and just, like, basically harakiried that guy in the stomach. <laughs> well, made him <laughs> harakiri himself in the stomach. But it was just weird, because it was... And I guess it's that's what they call a subversion of expectations, or whatever. Mm. But it still was weird, because it was so different from how the show is normally written. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like the, the interactions between the the foes here was kind of weird. It's like I think that's probably the now that you mentioned it like that. This is probably the in a way the least. Uh, well, I was gonna say the least traditional movie from from the franchise, but uh, I actually have a quite a few points to make regarding Toy showing its ugly hand in in the plot in many aspects. But I'll leave that for later. All right, so. And I wrote down here in my notes because, like, they start introducing these characters little by little. I wrote down here: never trust a man named Loki. <laughs> Not ever. No, because like, because yeah, and that I was right. And I thought I thought at first too, he was gonna be the main bad guy, but I was like, no, it's Dauber. 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 And I, said, I wrote down here. Um, well, he does. Ha- he has. A, he does have the face of a perv, so it was inevitable well, for him yeah. to do. And can I? Can I also say while we're talking about Loki? 
that I was, again, this is from before everybody knew about, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say everybody. This is from before, like, Loki was, like, a popular, like, fictional character in media. But still, Loki has always been, like, the trickster god. Yeah. So I was really hoping that, they, because Kuramata's been so good about, like, implying the gods' natures in the characters that they represent. Yeah, and this one I just felt like was a complete missed opportunity, and I, I know that he wasn't. We already kind of talked about how he wasn't directly involved with a whole lot of this movie, but it just it felt like a missed opportunity because like if they would have had him be more like he just thought it would be funny to start a war, and that's why he was like manipulating everybody. If he was the true mastermind behind everything, kind of like you like you had just said you thought that he was going to be the main bad guy i was kind of hoping that that was the route they would take with it but he just ended up being just another generic you know cannon fodder yeah uh, really i do yeah have, i do have a bit of an answer to that uh, the reason for it is that in, in this case those characters despite the fact that they're named after greek uh, the greek sorry uh, after norse asgardian. mythological after asgardian and norse mythological beings they're only borrowing the names. For example, the, the main bad guy is called Dolbar, which is literally just turning around in the pronunciation of Japanese, like Baldur, like in Japanese would be pronounced uh... Bardur. And and in Japanese, the name of the villain is Dorbar. Like they just like played with, they played with the names that way. They take the names from those beings, but they're not supposed to be those beings. They're only borrowing those, those elements for for the that for this movie clear at all <laughs> yeah yeah it isn't it isn't because if you only watch it at face value you would assume that they're like the literal either the literal gods or like warriors uh, using like armors that represent those gods and they should be more mythologically uh akin to those characters mm. but they're not well, they, well when we get to something later with loki it's like yeah i do appreciate one little thing that they brought in that they brought in from his from his mythology that they actually put into into his character, but that's something that we're going to be discussing like way way later. And I, I do I wrote down here. Uh, so the note I was looking here is um, Dober being creepy because he's like he's like so you want to stay <laughs> so you want to stay for dinner? Hmm, yeah, don't worry, come on. You know, there's war room here in the great in the great hall for you and the saints. I'm like, dude, like you know, this is like all all the all the bad all the bad signs like all the signs are just. Uh, all the red flags are coming up like um, coming up really really quickly. But to to go back to your point, Conrad, for me, one of the things I wrote down here too is that you know Shiryu Shiryu is a smarter guy in the room asking Loki asking Loki what's going on, and soon afterwards, Seiya is the one that starts that, that start that starts to like you know starts to egg him on. So I'm pretty sure from there that that's where we start to I mean, that like you know we're gonna eventually get a Seiya versus Loki fight. Yeah, I guess I just noticed him interacting with the the big guy more like because the it set, it seemed to set up the other rivalries or the I call them rivalries the other like big fights that we were going to see in the future like Shiryu versus Hyoga and uh Shun versus whoever that was it just d didn't even bother to remember their name cuz it lasted like 30 seconds yeah uh, but it, it it just it was in that scene where they were setting it up and Loki wasn't present in that scene so like Saya just started like shit talking the big guy, <laughs> I guess, because there wasn't anybody left. But that would have, I, I wish they would have just had Loki in that scene to kind of foreshadow that he was going to fight them. But I, I, oh, the big guy's name is Rung. Rung? Yep. Rung. Huh. I, I wrote that down because I was like, oh yeah, he sounds like the Transformers character Rung. Oh, Uller is the one that fought Shun. Yes, yes, Uller. Yeah, Uller. Uller, Rung, Balber, Loki. Midgard, right? Yes. 
So we remembered their names. Yay. <laughs> Something this, this we do with the movies as much. Not just, not, not just that. It's like, th- th- thank God. I thank God now I'm starting taking notes. Because like th- I was saying uh, uh, off air, it's like, I started taking notes, but not like the traditional way that you would think that you would take notes nowadays. I actually started doing these physically as I was recording, as I watched the movie. And I was like, and so it's like, that's why I have these names recorded. So yeah, we have that. And then, and, and then it gets to another weird scene, like right, right after when we get to introduce to Freya and Freya. We, it's like, it gets, it's like, um, so it's like he walks up to Sayori and he gives him, and I wrote down here, this guy's giving, Fre- this guy is giving Athena the bedroom eyes. Yeah, he looked like a perv. It's like, well, I was, hey, go on. I, I was just saying, I'm glad that he got screen time because I feel like Freya was such a wasted character, though. Like, yeah. she, they made her seem like she was going to be really important. And I don't know if it was the like framing of how she was introduced, but she seemed like she was going to be really important. And then she does nothing. Like, after they all decide to go and fight, you know, fight back to save yoga or whatever. She just kind of stops doing anything. Yeah, she, 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 she actually, I did have that same observation. Like I didn't remember very much. It had been a while since I watched this particular movie. So watching it again, I was like, I could have sworn that she was relevant to the plot, but nope. Nope. But thank you. Freya comes back at the end and does some slightly important things, but Freya yeah. is like, nope. Thank you. You know, that's the same thing I had thought about it too. Cause like I hadn't watched the movie. Okay. So confession, I have not watched the movie since, um, 1996? Is that when it came out on a home video in Mexico? I think so. Actually, I do have a comment to, to make about that, but you go on first. So I haven't watched it since then. I remember not liking it. But like I said, I'll play my cards later, and I could have swore that Freya played a, played a huge, a bigger role when we when, when I watched it the first time when I, when I was like, when I was a teenager, but apparently not. So yeah, so they so they so they step out after 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 uh after Freya t- offers them like a place to stay so they can look for yoga, and like I said I, I, I said here like I wrote down here big guy has it has to be a be kind of writer furry fodder which is Alger not not Alger it's a it's Rung so I correct I got the I got the right one on this one yay, um and I also says here remember to reference big and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, no! Oh God, I love that song so much. So I said, "Oh, one." No, I was just say I love her so much. I know, and it's like it's it's been stuck in my head whenever I see a character like that. So like, yeah, Rung is like is our big and stupid character. So there you go. Take a drink. So take a swig, anybody that's paying paying attention at home. That's a Um, that that is a callback because that was one of our earliest episodes that we did together. Yes, it is. And so I wrote down here, the guy on the right looks like every god warrior in the actual series, which is Ugler. When we see Ugler, his design is like every god warrior that we get to see when, when we get to the series proper. So we already discussed that part already. Um, you're not fooling anyone. You're not fooling anyone. Anyone, because as they're walking out, like, we get to see the guy in this, in this day glow orange armor. And it says, there, you're not fooling anyone, Yoga. And, and, and Shiryu's having this moment where he's like, hmm, this guy looks familiar. And I wrote down at first. Yo, Shiri, are you stupid not to recognize Kyoga underneath that day glow orange armor? And then, like, wait, and then I wrote down later, wait, never mind, because he <laughs> literally, literally, seconds later, like, is that Kyoga? Like, okay, I'll, I'll give him this much. They're at least smart. They're at least smart enough to, like, re- at least smart enough to, like, recognize their cosmos. Thank you. And then it's like, um, say a, say a smug ass walk as he's, a smug ass walk as he's walking by, um, that's walking out wrong. That is fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. He has this fucking smug face on him, and he's acting like that. Actually, is one of the comments that I had about Seiya. In, like, 
in this for this movie, but uh, in general, despite the fact that it is in character for Sia to be like a bit of a brat and a bit of a, a cheeky bastard sometimes, it doesn't get it, it, that side of his character doesn't really get shown that much in the original story. Like it's very rare those times when Sia allows, uh, well, where the story allows Sia to show that part of his personality. So mm-hmm. I like the I, I like the fact that they use that here. It's like it's it's easy to forget that say it can be a bit of a cheeky cheeky dum dum sometimes. Yeah, and, and I was and I, I thought and I thought of you because like I think we were discussing this once uh, a couple episodes back. Because it's like like you know it's it's rare to see say a show personality other than shonen protagonist. I must do I must do the thing. So it's like it's it's good. To, it's very good and very interesting to see these little moments where you get to see his little little bit of personality where he's he's the, he, I mean he's he has smarts. He's 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 a smart enough dude to like know what's going on. But he's like, you no, know, he's also kind of a smart ass as well. So it's it's good to, it's good that we get to see a little bit of that. Come right, Furry. Any other any thoughts so far? I just I, I appreciated that out of everybody that could have possibly potentially recognized Yoga that it was Shun or sorry, not Shun Chidiu. I was reading mm-hmm. again. I just stopped reading and talking at the same time. Sorry, Chidiu. Sorry. Um, I I, I appreciate that it's that it was she to you because I feel like his other senses are heightened because of the blindness. So it makes the most sense that he would be the most aware of his surroundings at all times because he had to focus so much on hearing and, you know, touch and all, like all of the other senses other than sight, basically. So I'm glad that he was the one that recognized him right off the bat. Um, I 100% forgot that that was yoga <laughs> I I 100% forgot that, that was yoga in in there. So uh, I was very funnily surprised whenever that reveal happened. Interesting, 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 interesting. I didn't remember. Um, apparently, I didn't remember anything about this movie at all, other than um, I remembered Loki and I remembered the big bad guy, but that was about mm-hmm. it, I guess. Because the rest of it, I was just really shocked. I didn't know freya and freya were in the movie like i didn't remember a squad because it had been a long time since same here as well. it's, 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 like, like i said like i don't go first sorry i was just gonna say two, a couple of things one like yeah like this movie like, it's funny because for me it has been kind of a revelation re-watching it uh for two reasons this movie used to be out of all the sincere movies my least favorite one for the longest time and I didn't even remember why. I just remember that I watched it the first time. I I didn't like it for some reason. But but not not only that. Like I have a very particular uh, bone to pick with this movie. It, no, that's not the right phrase. But here's the thing: the 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 scene of a Hyoga wearing Midgard's armor and fighting Shiryu. I saw that when I was so young, like in the nineties, when I was a little kid. And for the love of my life, I could never find the scene again because, remember, children, this is a time before the internet. Shocking. So, like, it was very difficult to to find things back then or to, to watch them. I must have watched it on TV or something. And I was like, just like, why is Hyoga fighting Shiryu? What the hell is going on? And for the longest time, I even thought that I hallucinated that that fucking scene because I just couldn't find like the evidence of of that actually happening. Like I rewatched the entire show at one point, and that never happened. So I was like, when the hell did this happen? This was before I think I was aware of what movies were and how they were their own little thing. So that that scene of of Hyoga fighting she always stuck with me and it was like a, a bone that i always had with this movie it's like where did i see it where did i saw that i know i'm not crazy and then finally being able to see that oh it's from this movie it's like finally putting uh 
putting to rest one pet peeve that I had for the longest time because I thought that I was going to go insane. Like, I swear that I didn't hallucinate this. And no, yes, it's real. Just that back then, oh, in the good old times where it was more difficult to find information about everything if you didn't have it in BHS or something. Those were wild times. It's like, that's a very strong memory I have about this movie. Interesting. Uh, yeah, like I'll never forget that <laughs> that feeling of going insane, of watching that and not knowing where the hell it was from, especially because it was from the time where, like when, when you're a child and you discover this type of things, you don't know that the movies are not canon. You don't know that the thing that you're watching is like a separate little side story. You think that it is part of the continuity. And I was like, why the hell did this happen? Like, why is Hyoga being evil? But well, that, that finally was laid to rest. But no, rewatching this movie, it's actually... Funny because now I think it's one of one of my favorite movies for many reasons. The music is definitely one of them. Oh yeah, I wrote, I, I wrote that. I'll, I'll say I, I wrote down here because like we get because like like we get to assure you he's like sensing everybody's um we get to assure you he's sensing everybody's um like cosmos is like like oh my god everybody's cosmos are very violent for some reason. And I wrote down here Seiji Yokoyama is really shredding on his Casio. <laughs> Because he's like, he's like, like he's just, I, 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 like, I don't know what he's doing to like make, uh, like, again, I, I'm pretty sure he's, he's on the cast. You're like, trying to make it sound like, like, right, right, trying to make it the, the, the sound and also like the, the music to coincide. Like, these, these guys are like not, these guys are not on the level. And it's like, it, it sounds like, it just sounds, it just sounds like a cat, like on, on it sounds like a cat on, 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 a, on a Casio piano, but in a good way. It's in a, in a like, it's so it's like, but so it's it's not like one of those things where it's like I, I hope they don't play this I hope they don't play this song at, at at a concert like this. But it's pretty it's pretty it's it's pretty interesting when you when you hear that because like but yeah this was like this was uh they use a lot of those tracks later on for the actual Asgard arc so that's so we get to see a lot of that the stuff used 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 here it like used later so it's really uh, again props to Seiji Yokoyama for like his amazing soundtrack with, with it. So after that so after that they 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 the Freya. Frey and uh, everybody else, they go to they go to a cabin and they actually find um, Hyoga's, um, they actually find a piece of his cloth, they actually find his helmet. And they, and they tell him this line. And they tell him, like, don't worry, like, we'll, we'll, when, when we, if we actually do find them, we'll, we'll send them back, we'll, we'll send them back to you guys. And I'm like, so what, you're just gonna like FedEx them to like back to Greece? You better, you better some holes in that, you better put, cut some holes in, in that, um, in that, in that box if you're gonna like keep, if you're gonna send them out to Greece. I don't wanna know how much the shipping goes from Greece to, to, uh, to Asgard. Uh, so yeah. After after that is when um one of my favorite parts of the movie happens because uh I keep wanting to say Sienna because we've been talking about the three oh god the three D brain rot the three D brain rot Sayori um meets up with Mr. Big Bad uh Dolbar and uh-huh. she actually is able to defend herself not I mean, obviously, she eventually succumbs to him because that's the plot momentum that moves the story forward. She succumbs to him, and everybody feels her Cosmo fade, and that's what prompts them to, like, oh, crap, we better get on the offensive, and that's what, you know, starts the one-on-one fights and all that stuff. But the he initially tries to, like, choke her out, and she's able to defend herself, which is not something that happens in in this show a ton. Mm-hmm. Sayori, at least... Uh, before, like, she gets, like, her, like, super ultimate goddess form or whatever for yeah. her to be able to defend herself like that. So I was very happy to see them, e- even if she immediately basically gets, like, bitch slapped down to the ground right after that. Like, it was still nice to see her put up a fight instead of being, you know, Daphne Blake damsel in distress the whole time. 
So that was that was really cool. But that does move the plot forward, so it it was needed. And he like puts her on the like bow of the ship as like one of those like old timey ship decorations where they would have like a mermaid or like a woman. Oh my god! The, the same thing so like notes. It was so bizarre. <laughs> like, and then she's just sitting there like with this dad ass look on her face. It's exactly what it, this is exactly what I, this is exactly what I wrote. Is that thing I want to see like those mermaids that they put in front of the, those old ships? Yeah, it, it <laughs> like gave me One Piece vibes for sure. <laughs> but no, but there's something that happens before that. Um, um, so Freyer actually goes up to actually 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 um actually goes up to uh, Dober and he's like, so what the so what so what are you doing? Like you know I'm so like it's something something's up. Are you really gonna start doing this? And he and I wrote down here. Oh, he said the thing because he says he says in the, in Japanese words he says, "Are you starting a a, a, a fiery ba- a, a fire a hot-blooded fiery battle against the gods themselves?" And in the, in the Spanish version, he literally says, "Are you trying to instigate a grand battle of the gods?" I'm like, he said the thing. He said the thing. He said the thing. And then as I wrote down, yeah, how the Monkey King and Anubis they take your take you meddling in the Greek gods because it's like it, it, it seems to go on. No, I was just gonna say I, this is off topic, but I can't think of people saying movie names in the movie without thinking of that Family Guy joke with the Superman <laughs> the quest for power, and that's why I'm <laughs> Superman for the quest for power. He said the name the of the show. Sorry, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a, fine. As, as soon as that's he said that, that's the first thing that popped in my mind. It's like he said the name. Why are we having the same fucking notes? It's like it's so insane that we're like like you and me have are like have the exact same notes. Work together too much, I think. <laughs> I know. So yeah, like I said, like he says, like yeah, I'm gonna to get a, I'm gonna get a, a war against 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 Athena and take over the sanctuary. And then, like I said, fire, uh, fire is like you know, I, like how are you doing? Like why are you going to be doing this? Like, uh, like how are you doing? this? like we should, we all have to respect our, each other's gods. Like why are you doing this? And, and like again, that's why I said, yeah, how will the Monkey King and Anubis take this? Like you're that you're invading the Greek gods because it's, 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 it, this is implying that there are other deities the universe that are like that like they have to like play by their own rules. And it's like mm, how they feel about all this. Um, so the, I'm, this is a cross out thing. You're dead. That's why you get for turning your yeah. Because like Dober is like you know he he puts him he, he does the thing he does his special ability and he sends him and then I said there, wow. Asgardians have some fucked up kinks because like you because again because <laughs> we, we we cut to like soon after because we well we, we originally thought was 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 um was Yoga that's actually Freyr and he's like hanging he's like he's like hanging like through he, he's like being he's like it's so weird to describe. He's not quite hanging. He's like, in, like they're not quite impaled. It's like they locked him up. But there's like, a, his, like an endless abyss on the bottom. His he's suspended very high off the ground with his arms being like crushed by cinder blocks. Yes, like a pose. Yes, and it looks. And it's like you know. It's just like you know. He's in the well from from uh, uh, the the Swan Lake. Um, what was the name of that? The prince. The prince of the Swan. Is that the name of that movie? Yeah. God, I just I ruined that joke. Yeah, that's fine. Um, um, any thoughts so far, Bankas? Yeah, uh, that's uh, that particular part. I thought uh, I actually wanted to talk about something that Kamen said regarding Saori. I mentioned before that toy, toy, something about toy showing its ugly head. Unfortunately, when it comes to Saint Seiya, like it is one of those series that a lot of people criticize it for being way too formulaic. Okay, that's by design. Kurumada tends to do his stories like that, so. 
most of his stories uh, do suffer from from that. However, the brilliance of Kurumada's story usually is not about uh, just the formula, but the execution of each uh, of each new chapter. Like they they take that formula, but they, he makes interesting ways to play with it to give us new and interesting things for each arc. Toei, unfortunately. And I will keep saying this. Like, I I don't want to sound like I I hate the anime because I think that I'm giving that impression on every single episode. It's not that I hate the anime, but after reading the the, the manga and reading Kurumada's story itself and realizing just how much Toy, the things that it changed, that how it played with things and how it makes some characters look like complete completely different from what, what the the way that they were originally presented and things like that, I have become extremely critical of Toy in that regard, and unfortunately. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the series as well, and right now the topic is the movie, because the the movies, unfortunately, they suffer from, it is the same fucking movie, just change the names of the character syndrome. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, if you look at movie one, movie two, movie three, movie four, then movie five, they're all the same fucking movie. You just change some of the events, places, and locations, and, and it's the exact same synopsis. Like you just eliminate the 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 names of, of of some of the characters, and it's the same thing, even down to the fucking climax. Like, every single movie gets resolved the same way. But, okay, I don't want to get too far with that. Returning to this particular point, and when it comes to the topic of uh, Saori, I agree with, with you, Kamen, because this is probably the movie where she acts a little bit more than in any of the others. But Saori, unfortunately, is one of those characters that gets labeled, rightfully so if you only watch the anime, as uh, just a damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Like, she is a damsel in distress in the original story as well, but the execution and the reasonings for how she's a damsel or why she needs to be rescued in each arc makes a lot of sense once you actually watch the context for, for those arcs unfolding. But Toei, when it came for their uh, original ideas, they just put her in that role for the sake of, of actually giving us something for the for the saints to fight and to try to, to rescue her. And, and some of the executions are better than others. I think that here it was done much better than some of the other movies. But in the end, it's the same thing. Like, Saori looks like a complete fool and she's supposed to be a goddess but like how can i how, how am i supposed to believe that she's really a goddess if she basically does nothing and that and this movie unfortunately falls under under that same criticism she really does not do anything and, and that's it's, where... it's, it's unfortunate that she gets taken out in in such a way but at the same time at least it was the most unique and the most visually striking out of all the movies that, that oh, yeah, i remember I I just wrote down. I just have one word here. When I, when I saw when when Dauber was doing his uh, special ability to to um, Athena, I, said, I just put there trippy. <laughs> yeah, actually, it is. Well, I mean, that, um, that's where I want to give the that's where I want to give the three D anime credit is that they are giving Sayori more to do, even though she's like on her deathbed, she's still doing a lot. Like she's still interfering a lot, and she's still a a big presence and i i kind of hate to say it but like i kind of like the 3d version of sayori just a little bit better than the anime version i feel like she's a more important character like a more centralized character than she was mm-hmm. in the anime a lot of the time and not to say that you should one one is going to be better than the other anybody can enjoy whatever they you know they want to enjoy but it was just fair a enough, thought that, I had that that because they and they also did make it a point to say that they wanted powerful women representation in that show so that makes sense that they're doing that and we're also comparing something that came out in 2021 to something that came out in you know the 1988 so it's it's not a fair comparison but yeah i I, she does end up in that damsel role in the anime a lot and i just 
I don't know. I just don't feel like a lot of the times it's warranted. Yes. Well, okay, I, I, I think because like a lot of times what the, what ends up happening is they, they need like what they call in movies they need a ticking clock, and they just don't know how what to, how to do how to do a ticking clock good. So they usually just say, okay, why don't we just put Athena in peril and see and, and just go from there and just like you know you can do a lot more with this like you know and like we, we have something and you know it, it is interesting because like it, like. Yeah, she's a little bit more proactive, and she is like trying to tell like Dober, "Hey, fuck off!" Like you know, I'm I'm the I'm the guy who takes care of of the the Greek myth of the, of the Greek world. So like, look, you, I I know what I'm doing, so you can't replace me and stuff, and yada yada yada. So she so she has, so she stands up her own two legs here, and she gets and when she gets like eventually taken out, it's not because it's not it's not because like she was she goes caught like in a, in a moment of vulnerability. It's just that this guy is that powerful. Okay, so we that okay, so you appreciate it. Okay. So after that, um, so they all, they all, uh, in typical, in typical Saint Seiya fashion, they all start sensing Sayori, like Sayori's cosmos, like you know, being being sucked away. And I, I wrote down here, uh, okay, if things, if things would ended up quite, it, things would end up a lot quicker if in Saint, in the Saint Seiya world, if if Shun can do what he did in this, did in this particular scene, which is he he climbed, he uses change to actually like, you know, to like. See some himself to see what's going on, to see to see what's going on with uh with with Athena, and he just like gets a glimpse and like, you know, if you could do this, if you if you had this ability all this time, we could have saved ourselves a lot of like headaches. I I put on there that he looked or he was playing Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> now he I can stop Spider-Man. hearing the theme. <laughs> Spider Shun, Spider Shun, Spider Shun. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense because they're retractable, and he has two of them, so he could easily do like the like the swinging from from uh, building to building thing. He could do that pretty easily. Someone yeah, edit so someone edited the CC Spider Man with Shun. <laughs> oh so my yeah, God, like and he... then the, the the one where they're pointing at each other, but it's Shun and Sean. Did I break you? Are you okay? Yes, you broke me. God damn it. Okay, so yeah, so they get so they get caught wind. Of, so like yeah, they caught wind that shit that's that shit's going down. Uh, one of like, we get to see the we get to see uh, Shun versus Uller, and I wrote down here who like the guy warriors don't give a shit about about the, about the uh, about the, about the honor of not using any weapons. This guy just comes up with like with a sword and starts fucking around with them. And like obliterating his chains too, which used to be a big deal, but I guess now. Who cares? Like I have, I have a comment on that. I guess, uh, okay. go on. R- right now, just on that specific fact, but I do want to go on a rant after you guys give your thoughts on on Shun's fight. Okay, uh, I do like that fact. What you just mentioned, Ramses, actually makes a lot of sense because, okay, that is the story, and that's the way that uh, Kurumada decided to adapt, um, like this idea of, in a way, war- Greek warriors, like the, being able to use this energy to to fight, like with their fists, in the name of justice. It makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense for the for the characters of the saints not to use any weapons because they're supposed to be noble and honorable and basically people that you can look up to. And one of the easiest ways is usually, uh, you know, the the avoidance of using weapons. And in the, in that regard, I think that it was a very good uh, way to adapt Norse mythology onto here because Norse mythology is quite different. It's very violent. Yeah. It's a lot about glory. It's a lot about battle. It's a lot about uh, you know a warrior gods and and proving their might. So the idea I mean, of Val- having weapons. I mean, Valhalla is literally eat, kill, eat, kill, repeat until you uh, for the rest of eternity. 
yeah, so the idea of them having weapons actually makes a lot of sense, and they shouldn't particularly care about, you know... Well, they do care about honor, like, in Norse mythology, but, like, these particular enemies, they... The idea of them not thinking that this would affect their honor is something that I find interesting. It's just a shame that it didn't get developed too much. But, yeah, them having weapons makes sense to me. That's what I want to say. All right. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, we, we cut to... So that fight's happening, and then we cut to Studio. He finds this Dayglow orange dude that, 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 that that's totally not Hyola, and oops, it's Yoga! And he's like... Every time e- you say Dayglow, I think Hyoga is like an e-girl when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh god so yeah he, 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 what i find interesting is like and so like after that like Hyoga's like, like i don't know what he's doing but it looks like he's trying to give him like a handshake and he's giving and then it's like at first i'm like is he even, is he giving you like one of those handshakes that's like crushing your arm like you know you know what you know what i mean it's like but no it's like he's freezing his arm and like holy shit he's like fucking asshole yeah so yeah, so apparently we figured out like something's up with Yoga and so Shiryu and and uh, Hyoga start fighting, and I wrote down here twenty two minutes and Shiryu is already armorless. That's gotta be that's uh, I think that's like the longest we've seen him without his armor. <laughs> well, I have to say that the two things about this fight made me incredibly happy. Number one is that they it wasn't just a clear like power dynamic thing like he he had to be creative with how he fought because for basically what happens is um, Hyoga, like they, they kind of roll down to this area where there's a bunch of water and Hyoga freezes his legs. So he can't move. And he, uh, Shiryu decides to use his, uh, um, I can never pronounce it, but Loshan rising dragon. Yeah. The rising dragon. Uh, he he decides to use that, but he uses the ice that Hyoga is like sending his way to like make an ice dragon to attack him with. So he kind of uses his power against him, which was super creative. And the other thing that I like is that they finally brought back the freaking tattoo on his back that was so incredibly important in the, at the beginning of the series, and then literally never gets mentioned ever again. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it probably does. Uh, again, I said at the beginning of this. Forgive me if I'm wrong with remembering things. Yeah, but, but like it was i just remember at the beginning of the show it was such an important thing for like his dragon and it fading and then bringing it back here just felt like a really nice callback to the beginning of the series. all right any thoughts so far Bekos? yeah the the fight with between shiri and hyoga is definitely one of the the highlights of this movie for me not only because of what i mentioned previously in my history with this this scene and almost going insane but uh also, the fact that it is so well done because the way that Kevin put it is very right. Like this fight is not just like hitting each other for the sake of hitting each other. It, it involves a lot of creativity on on both behalf of more on Kyoga's part. Ironically, now that he's fighting dirty, like he basically tricks Shiryu so that he can freeze his arm. Which in the in the in the series, Shiryu's right arm is his most powerful weapon. So taking that out right from the beginning was a very smart thing to do, especially by taking advantage of uh, of Shiryu's uh, ingenuity in this situation. Then the way that they fight is very the choreography is very nice. Like I really like how they how they fight and how they move in, in, in this in their fight. Like I thought it was very well executed. I, I really like them. I my All right. my one complaint is that at the end of the fight should you just lays face down in a puddle? Oh, Man's dead. Man yeah. is dead. That is how you die. 
Yeah, that actually I did. I, did, I, I was actually forgetting because I, I did thought that when I was watching the movies, like that's the one thing that also that's and again the fault of Toei. They have a fetish of fucking trying to drown Shirio, and I don't know why. In every single fucking movie, they try to drown him, and he remains like with his face looking at the water for like more than fifteen minutes. Like, how are you not dead? Yeah, he should have drowned a long time ago. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So okay. So I'm I, I'm I'm confused about this. So. Like, I, 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 cause like, I, I don't know if I wrote down. So, um, so Shun takes out Okla, right? No, no, no. Okay. So, cause I wrote down here in my notes right on cue, Iki's here, but I remember, I remember he, I remember. Okay. So Iki's the one that takes him out, right? Yes. If that's the case. Okay. That's, I should be, I should be like, as much as I put my, down my notes, I got to take better notes that in mind. So yeah. Uh, um, so in, in typical, in typical, in typical fashion, we're 30, we're about 30 minutes in and. Shun's in trouble. What a thought. It's fucking Yiki. Takes him out really yeah. quick. And then he comes. And then I wrote down. And then I wrote down here. Great. Rung. KOF bait. Uh, K KRF bait. And well, then he I, does I, he does his. No, I was on. just gonna say, like, my notes literally I put, of course, Iki comes in to save Shun again. Like, yeah. They this anime has like a vendetta against Shun being able to shine by himself. Well, he does something it's... later. You'll uh, uh yeah, he has yeah. something happened later. But still, so may I go? May I go on my rant now? Because it's yeah. A okay, it's all you. Go out. Go off, Benkis. You're all okay. you. Okay. This is unfortunately Shun. When it comes to Shun, Shun is uh, known amongst uh, the community as Toei's punching bag. And I want to be very clear when I say Toei's punching bag, because the character mm -hmm. himself is fucking magnificent. Like if you read the just the manga you realize just how much, how the importance and just how good of a character Shun is. Because all those elements that people love about the character, they're there in, in, the, in, the, in the original story. But for some fucking reason that I just cannot help, but I cannot comprehend and I, will, I never will, Toei, for some reason, decided to make this character, they, they, they're like, when they want to bully someone, it's like, that's the character that they immediately point towards. Because for the love of, of my life, I cannot understand how Toei just keeps like make they make Shun as fucking useless and as fucking stupid as possible in every single original piece that Toei makes, even to this day. And unfortunately, in, even though this movie is probably the one where he's the least useless, he is still useless because he does almost absolutely nothing, and he gets defeated in less than he gets defeated almost instantly and he does not defeat a single opponent and he doesn't do that in any of the movies but okay keeping it in this one again just the same thing he doesn't do anything he gets defeated incredibly easy for Iki to come and rescue him and that is something that I fucking despise because I actually like the character of Shun and it's because of Toei Animation that a lot of people actually have him in this horrible light because they only they only took what the anime gave them and it's not what the character actually is. Rand over. All right. So, so yeah. After that, so after so yeah, after that, like um uh, so, uh, so it's Iki at Oklar, and uh, like literally the, this fight is just pretty much as like he uses his Phoenix Ginkaden, his Phoenix Illusion Fist, and he and I wrote down here, oh yeah, this guy's all this is some major shit. And he literally does. He thought he, he thought he, he thought he killed um, Iki, but then then he got himself impaled. And I wrote down here, there's some Fist of the North Star shit I've ever seen in my life. Well, I mean, it's like. It's like not only is he a big man like Cassius, but he also kind of dies in a super similar way to Cassius, just like <laughs> impaling himself. Although this one wasn't on purpose, so 
it it was just very weird. It felt recycled. Yeah, and like I said, like I felt like it, like the way the way that he got killed I was like, oh wow, I've seen this, and it's not from this anime. Uh, so yeah, after that, um, so after that, like like Rung is so like he like um, he goes to comfort um Shun, and and he's like like you know, hey, are you okay? This and that, blah blah blah. So I mean, I don't, I don't this much, and like at least at least Iki's like this is a caring dude, and uh, at this point, so he's he's already off his he's already off his like angst mode. But at, after that, um, Rung comes back and he he pushes everybody down to down 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 the um, down the uh, abyss. And I wrote down here, oh, um, um, oh, so for once, um, Shun actually did something, actually saved Iki for once, because we get to because soon after we get to see him like hanging on, like getting Iki and and him being still alive. So it's like, yay. Yeah, because he was like dangling off the side of the cliff for like a solid three or four minutes, just dangling there waiting. And yeah. then he finally got to come up and he helped save Iki there at the end. Alright, so after that we, we cut to Seiya. He's actually like he's already he's already on his he was already well on his way. He's like the he's like the freshest warrior. And so he's so fresh that like he meets up with Loki. And literally there's a fight with Loki. Um he uses his he uses Loki does a special ability, which I actually really like. It's like this wolf thing. We, and it's like again, plays off totally to his mythology that you know he that he, he's connected to wolves and stuff like that. So I appreciate that they that they that they reference that in his special ability. And it, but he says a line that that, that, that like I, I had I had and when I watch it again in Spanish, it like it it's just like how fucking stupid are you, Loki? He says, and I will quote, yeah, because he says, and I will quote, why are, like if you use using the same technique twice is will never is never gonna work. What does Sega do again? He does the same fucking thing and beats him. Well, the problem oh, yeah. is, is that that that's something that's already been taught in the show, and so Saya also knows that. So the, they both attacked each other at the same time. So Saya most likely, like it wasn't explicitly said, but Saya most likely just saw how to get around his attack again. Yeah. So like he used his own advice against him, basically. Well, to be fair, he does he does the rolling crush at the end as well. So it's like there there's something different, but he takes him out like effectively using the same thing he did before. So like. All right. Yeah, it came out. Of, over here. <laughs> yeah, it, it came out funny just because of the timing. It is. Uh, it is one of those things that you can question that because on the one hand, it's like it's very situational when that uh, information is useful when it isn't. But it's like usually the the answer is like when they're fighting an enemy that they need to defeat, that's when it's active. And once the the enemy is trying to pull that off, the characters like they're able to rise their cosmos beyond the ability of the enemy. And that's why they defeat him. It basically goes like that. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. So like we, we they get caught up with uh, what Elker and I, uh, Ugler. And he and he and Ogre says a line that's like that 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 like, I couldn't stop laughing at it. He says, "Oh yeah, all those all those guys all, all those all those guys that are working with me, they're like underlings. That they're they mean nothing to me." I wrote there, "Damn man, I was tossing all 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 of his people underneath the bus, just through collectively through the whole fucking castle under the bus." Oh yeah, so like they start fighting, and I, I wrote down here, "Rare sight to see that the final boss uh, uh, see the final boss actually have a fight." Which is interesting because, like, most of the time, it's like it's usually like they have like a press X to win, a press X to win thing. But they actually like this guy's actually putting up a, a decent fight against against Seiya and everybody else. So it's like that's really interesting to see. I and was, then he I was disappointed, and I think I was disappointed because I I misunderstood the timeline of things. Now that I know the timeline of this, I kind of get why what I wanted to happen didn't happen. Okay, what I wanted to happen. Because basically they start fighting and slow, slowly Big Boss Man 
starts to get the advantage over Seiya, and he basically destroys, like, just shatters his cloth. And so Seiya's stuck without a cloth. Hyoka's in there at some point, but the main focus is Big Boss Man trying to destroy him. And I was hoping that he would get the Odin armor here. Oh! Because I was oh. hoping that that would kind of, like, the Odin armor would choose him over the actual person from Asgard to show that how just how fucked up he is. And then that he would see the error of his ways and be like, oh my god, if even the Lord Odin has abandoned me, I'm doing the wrong thing. Like, that's that's the route that I wish they, they had gone. But instead, it was the Sagittarius armor. Again. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure it was a delight at the time because it's it's not the most common armor to see, the most common cloth in the show. So it's not like every single episode he's pulling this out. But it is kind of a trope that this just shows up and helps him as, like, plot armor, literal plot armor, um, at different mm-hmm. places throughout the show. So it just, I, I much more would have preferred if the if the Odin armor had chosen him over the guy whose name I'm continuing to forget. Iodios. No, no, no. Iodia. No, um, the oh! Um, Dolber. Dolber. I wish... Like I, I wish that like because that because he kept saying that he was like they kept praising Odin and like Odin is very obviously like the end all be all for this group of people. So I just think it would have been a huge slap in the face to him if the armor had chosen Seiya and he had gotten to see that with his own eyes because Seiya eventually does get to wear that armor for a time. Yes, he does. So I uh, that, that's what I was hoping would happen, but eh, whatever. Um, any any thoughts so far, um, Bekos? All right then. So. <laughs> I know. All right. So after that, so like, yeah, it's like he's he's they have this huge fight, and um, what I wrote down there because like he doesn't he does that special he does that special attack like Odin's shield, and I wrote down here he's sending Seiya to the shadow realm, and then afterwards <laughs> I wrote, yeah. and then afterwards he comes back and it's like wow that was fucking quick because like he just suddenly comes back and I'm like oh, that's a, that's a, that's a short lived that's a short lived trip. And then I wrote down here because like I started seeing everybody, everybody fighting. And it's like so everybody, so everybody eventually gets to the fight, uh, and event. Uh, so what I think it's Yuki, Shun, and Seiya, and I don't know where the heck comes, uh, where the heck um, uh, Shuyu is. I presume I, was he, he in the fight? He, like, climbs up towards the end because it kept cutting away from the fight to show the rest of the gang like stumbling towards him. So I'm pretty sure it showed Shuyu. All right, he was, all right. He was he was crawling his way back to like where the main fight is taking place, but if I memory recalls, he doesn't actually make it. Like he, I think he gets there like at the very end when everything's about to to conclude. I I wrote, I wrote down something for that later, but yeah. So uh, so yeah, so so yeah, some Choga comes back and he's all like, and then and then Nobre's like, aha, my my most fearless, my most loyal warrior. Finish, finish this, finish this, uh, finish this um, Greek warrior off, and then he points his, he points, he points his, um, oh, um, his, his diamond dust at um Lover, and it's like, wait, no, 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 and then he, and he, and I wrote down there, fooled you, so, but that, but that wasn't, but that wasn't enough, and that wasn't enough for him, because like, because like, so he, he takes him out, and that's, and I wrote down here, and now the, now the, the press X to win button is here, which is the Sagittarius armor. The Sagittarius uh, clock. Yeah. And here's the funny. I wrote down here too. Reuse the animation from the first movie because I, I I noticed when when he puts on the clock, it's the same thing that he put. He, the same thing he did when he. It looks like the same. Um, it looks the same way that he did. Like it's exactly the same animation from the first movie. Oof. So yeah. So they have. So they. So so yeah. It's proved that his, that his armor is really cool. Yada yada yada. It's the greatest thing in the universe. 
and he told him to take his arrow, and he's about to finish him off. But then he tell, but then plot twist, he tells him, if you kill me, if you kill me, you're not gonna be able to save. You're not gonna be able to save Athena. And yeah, because he basically and, says that you you're not gonna figure out how to get her soul back because he stole her yeah. soul, her essence. Yeah, you wanna call it. And he's like, I'm not gonna tell you, and you can't like if you kill me, she'll be lost forever. But then Freyer shows up, and he's like, you're not the only one that knows things around here, Bucko. And then. <laughs> Harakiri's himself on top of the statue, and that works, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, uh, he sacrificed himself in order to be able to destroy Odin's statue that had been corrupted and become, uh, ah, he called it his present, like filled with evil, basically. I wrote down here, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Fair, but that, that statue's coming back later. <laughs> They're going to rebuild. Okay. So, okay. So, no headshot, but Arrow does win again. So, yeah, because he shoots him and she shoots him in the arrow, and, and, uh, and that, that's how they win. And like the, from there, the, the Yarosol um, uh, tree pops up, and then like Freya's there to explain what's going on. And yen, yeah, in, in true Saint Seiya movie fashion, it just fucking ends. Like so oh. little resolution or follow up with anybody. Just the bad guy's dead. The end. Here's the, I wrote down here. I wrote down here. So Shirio Kyoga Shun and Iki are dead. <laughs> Shiryu should be dead canonically many times. Yeah, but actually, you know, this movie, Anyways. this movie is probably like I'll give him this, despite the fact that it does the same thing as the other movies, exactly as you described it. At least this one, ironically, has like the happiest ending out of all of them. Because think about all the movies; they they end up with something getting completely and utterly destroyed, and them just standing there, right? But at least in this yeah. one, not only did uh, they make everything, not only did they make grass grow, literally, they, they also brought in the the Tree of Life Yggdrasil, and they, they all, they're all smiling and happy and walking in the grass at the end. Like, that's the ending credits uh, animation. So at least it's the most unique out of all the endings from the movies, despite the fact that it is the same thing. But at least visually, it was the most unique out of all of them. Fair enough. Like Fair enough. You pronounce that name because I've been seeing that name in media since like the PlayStation 2 RPG era and have never even tried to pronounce it. <laughs> Yggdrasil? Yeah, it's, it's had too many letters, Y's, <laughs> and not for me. All right. So, so yeah, that, that's, that, that's pretty much the entire movie right there. So, um, but so, like, I, I, I know you, I know something popped up there really quick, but because, like, any, any thoughts up to this point? Yeah, basically, uh, I think that the the animation itself is absolutely fantastic. Oh, okay, one thing that I sh we should probably mention: if anybody is photosensitive, you should probably <laughs> tread carefully when watching Saint Seiya in general, particularly this movie. Like they have some crazy visuals there. But but okay. That being said, in general, the animation is it's actually fantastic. It's probably one of the the cases where the animation itself is one of the pluses that makes like all those nuances and and things that we can nitpick and and uh, tear apart in in criticism like it kind of compensates for all that and the music man the, the music is like when if you don't pay too much attention or if you just look at it at face value it's it's like it's already great music but like hearing the soundtrack for for this music that also gets used for the asgard arc i have a much more i have much more of an appreciation for this movie now after hearing the, the music because unfortunately many of the pieces it got especially the ending the ending piece that was like the ending song for the the ending piece that they played during the Pegasus Fantasy concert and hearing that live man it's just oh you have no idea what it was like like that was like the closest thing that I can describe to getting to heaven it's like it was 
amazing. It's very, very cool. So yeah, my like so um before we close things out, I, I want to have a, a really quick discussion. It's it's it gonna be a, a Ramses and Bankas discussion right here. Because like I, as I said, as I said before, um I watched this movie twice. I decided to watch this movie. Um, I, I watched this movie once on on uh, on um, on Amazon Prime because it's on Amazon Prime. It's subtitled. It's it's there. So I I'm, I'm paying for it. I might as well use. It. So um so yeah. So I watched it. And then I said I I was like I like something didn't something didn't, something didn't click with me. So I'm gonna watch it again in Spanish. And I watched it again in Spanish. And like I and we were discussing this off air a little bit, but like I guess we can talk a little, now. We can talk a little bit more about it. It's like. That dub was weird. <laughs> that dub is weird. Yeah. That dub, and, and it's not because of the inconsistencies. So that I've already gotten used to the like, weird inconsistencies in like any dub. I'm, I, I'm, I'm already automatically assuming that in any dub that that, that gets thrown, whether it's Amer- whether it's in English, Spanish, or whatever, something's gonna get lost. So I'm already, I'm already accustomed to this point. But I'm more weird about the fact that like, I think what the only, the only voice actor, the only, um, only voice actor they they can. They can only get back from, from the original series was Seiya's voice actor, Jesus Guerrero. Everybody else sounds like like sounds sounds off. And I mean, mention the fact that like the guy that got the, the guy that got the voice Loki. That guy sounds like the, uh, I don't know. I don't. Are you familiar with this? Are you familiar with this guy named um, Tom Watts? I've heard of him. Yeah, he has a really unique voice. He talks a little bit like this. <laughs> yeah, I know the type of voice that you're talking about. So that's the voice they decided to give. That's the that's the way to decide to give Loki. And all I can think of is like, wow, like like where the fuck did you find Mexican Tom Watts here, man? For God's sakes! And it's like, oh, like I said, man. like that that like in and like and like for the longest time, I was like, because I, I knew for a fact that what they did for like what they did for the most part with the with the movies, they had a different dubbing, if, if I'm not mistaken, right? They had the different team that that dubbed the movies. Yes. Am I am I correct on that one? Yes, so, yeah. that is uh, apparently it has to do with the um, syndicates. There, oh. I, I don't really know too much about it. Like, I'm not a dubbing expert. There are people that are more knowledgeable in that uh, field than me. But what I do know is that the voice actors usually they belong to like one or several syndicates, particularly when they're voicing like like a series. And sometimes when the production for those movies used to come in, like the company that decided to take upon the rights to to do the movie. That like sometimes because of the like it's weird because they have like contractual alliances with some of those syndicates. So, for example, the voice actor of uh, Iki belonged to a different syndicate than than the one that than the one belonged to a syndicate that did not have a an alliance with the company that that brought in the movie. So that's the reason why he didn't participate because uh, like it was like a conflict of interest, and that was very common. I'm pretty sure that that still happens, but. I don't know how it's handled nowadays, but back in the day, that's why like you would have like like different voice actors doing some of the classic characters and not their original voice actors because sometimes there would be like a conflict of interest with the syndicate, and that's why they brought in somebody else entirely. Fair enough. Yeah, it's the same thing that happens here because like for example, there's like different dubbing groups. We have like we have the ones in Texas, we have the ones in Los Angeles, we have the ones in we have the ones in um, Toronto. And like you know, like the most famous example was with Dragon Ball here in the United States, because at first it was actually dubbed in um, Canada, and then afterwards they 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 started they they switched over to what we now know as like the film, the Funimation team, which is the one we associate with Texas, and, and then the other group is also Biff Bang uh, Bang Zoom, who does their stuff in Los Angeles. So it's so this started so this started to sound the same thing, where it's like a lot of times where what a lot of what a lot of dubs. 
it's like different different people will do a different dub altogether because like that because like they're, they're, they're contractually they're contractually obligated to um so they're contractually obligated to do a lot of the so they're contractually obligated by a different company to do it so that's why it's like a lot of times a lot of companies will do like one voice will do what like one uh will do one version and then they'll do another, another version down the road or something like that with like a different voice actors and stuff like that so yeah so that, that, so that makes so that makes kind of sense that um so it makes sense that, that that they would do that um so yeah, I mean it was just it was just weird because it's like they, they they picked totally the most wrongest voices for like everybody for the most part. So yeah, yeah. but yeah, um, it is a very weird dub for that movie in particular. But for the most nice part, like getting dubs of of the tetrary stuff and you know, not just the main line must be nice. Mm. Well, we hope we can only hope we can only hope we can only hope having to watch it with subtitles like somebody who knows how to read. <laughs> Funny enough, right, I actually so... watched the movie. Uh, oh, but just quick commercial. I actually watched the the movie with the uh, with subtitles as well because I have the Blu-ray. If you are oh. in the U.S., if you are in the U.S., please. Actually, th that Blu-ray came out in the U.S., but it never actually came here. I had to to buy it from eBay. So if you have oh, wow. the possibility to getting the collection for the four movies, because it's one Blu-ray with the with the four uh, movies, uh, like exclude the only movie that's not there. It's uh, from the Tenkai Hen animated. Yes, Tenkai Hen is the only one that's not there. But the other ones are in that uh, in that Blu-ray. So if you have the opportunity, do look it out. It it is definitely worth the money. Okay, commercial over. I. I have the two DVD set from before the Blu-ray came out. Oh, nice! Mm -hmm. Same company, Discotech. Yes, that's it's right now on Amazon. You can get it if you're in the United States. You can get it for twenty-three bucks. So, and and like I said, also if you, it's also streaming everywhere here in the United States. It's like like I said, it's streaming on Amazon. It's streaming through Retro Crush. It's streaming through um, Tubi. So if you have access to all those places, you can watch those there as well. Like I said, when I, when I first watched it, I actually watched it on Amazon because it was available for me there, and it was the most easy to watch it at. And like I said, like if I had to go, I had to, I had to go later to like look for the the span the Mexican version, the Mexican Latino version of the, of the of the movie because I was like I was morbidly curious, and well, as they say, curiosity killed a cat. <laughs> so I, I, you know, we're, you know, why don't we wrap things up here? On Benkas, any final thoughts on the movie? Yeah. Uh, it's probably one of the most visually astounding movies. It's definitely one of, one of the things where like everything else complements it very well. The story in itself is actually quite interesting, despite some of the toy shortcomings, I'm going to call them. But you can easily ignore those just by watching this movie. It's visually beautiful. Like It's probably one of the most creative, uh, visually speaking, in, in terms of uh, scenery and of, of how the, how the scenes are, are directed and planned out. It's definitely probably the most visually stunning out of all the movies. Like I think that now that I've rewatched it, the movie is just absolutely ast astounding and fantastic. the The plot itself is good. Like it's nothing maybe out of the ordinary, but but it is very very good for uh, anime movie standards. So yeah, I really liked and enjoyed watching this movie. I'm probably gonna watch it more often now from from now on. Now that I've uh, have more a better appreciation for it than I used to used to have. So I fully recommend you watch it if you have the chance. Conrad Furry, your final thoughts on the movie? I, I have a love-hate relationship with this era of anime, um, specifically movies, because this is this comes from the era where they were called movies, but really they were just like slightly extended episodes so that they could be aired, or not aired, they could be shown together with two or three other properties. Like at the beginning, you mentioned that there was two or three other movies packaged together, so like you could take a, an afternoon like two or three hours in the afternoon and go watch, you know, three, four anime movies back to back. That yeah, it's, it's, 
And yeah, because also, 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 like you, like you just said, it's it's something where it's like you would watch them, but it, it's like you can spend it after you watch like three or four movies, but it doesn't feel like you spent like watching three or four movies. Right. And they did a lot with like Super Sentai, and like you said earlier, Kamen Rider obviously used to do that as well. Um, it was back with the Kamen Rider movie. Like, like Yu Hakusho did one that most people don't know because the other movie outshadows it because the other movie is an actual fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm trying well, to get mad. But but my what I'm trying to say is that the I feel like a lot of really great stories were wasted on these smaller ventures. This was a good story, and it kind of had like an alternate reality version with with the the arc in the anime, but not really because it's not the same plot and it didn't have most of the same characters. And it it really it's really its own thing, like like we've said previously in this episode. So it just it frustrates me so much that. I really do think this story was good. I really enjoyed most of the characters in it for how briefly they were shown. And I want to know more about them, but it was, it fell into that era where, you know, a movie was just a glorified, like longer episode basically. And so it felt inherently rushed because they wanted to do as much as they could in this 40 minute time span. And it, unfortunately, I, I, I just can't, I don't know. I, I can't put into words how I really feel because I like it, but at the same time, I think I like it because of what I feel like it could have been, not because what it is. Because what it is right now is kind of a rushed mess, but I saw so mm. much promise and good character designs and good music and good animation, and I just feel like if this had been even 20 minutes longer, they could have made a really, really, really great story with this. But we ended up with like the abridged version. Mm-hmm. So for me, I still have a. Like, I think I discussed this when we talked about the first movie that I still have a love for the for the, for the next movie that we're gonna talk about. But I don't think we're gonna we're gonna talk about that movie because I don't want to touch that movie until we're done actually talking about the series. Whatever happens first, either we get done with the, either the CGI series gets done or we're actually done catching up with the anime. So whatever whatever happens first, I I want to go watch it again. I want to watch that. I want to watch the movie before we progress. Because it, it, it does lead in a lot of a lot of stuff that leads in from that movie gets gets put into this to the next movie. And I still really enjoy that movie. I still think I still say that's like the best looking out of all of them. I still say it has like all the best. Uh, that's still my favorite of all of, of all the four, of the four these four movies. But uh, like having watched this again for this show and having not watched it since like '96 when I first watched it, like on like when I first watched it on VHS in Mexico. I have a new appreciation for the movie, and I really do appreciate it. I do think this is like the better of these movies, in my opinion. I do think, like after after watching this movie, I do believe that this is actually like, like I said, this is not this is not the fourth movie. Like I, I, I don't know if it held up or not. No, no I mean not the, not the fourth movie. I saw the fourth movie. It's actually, but no, the third movie, which is I think, which I still think is like one of my favorite ones. But I wonder, like, but again, I haven't watched that in a while now. And like, I, and that is actually a proper like ninety minute movie. To, so, so, so if we are if we are to do this, it's going to be a, like a longer movie. Don't worry about that, Comrade Furry. But um, so, yeah, so going back to the final point. Um, um, going back to going back to the, to, to the point I was going at is that the the this movie I felt like I, I've changed over. I I felt a little bit warmer towards it over the years, and I still don't know why I didn't like it when, when it was um, when it was first airing, but. Like and like to this day, I'm like still trying to like rattle my brain, just like same thing with Bayhaus. Like, I don't know why I didn't like the, the second movie when I was. Well, we we kind of I didn't know why we called the I didn't know why I didn't like that movie initially, but now I kind of have a new appreciation for it. 
So yeah, I mean that, that sums it up for like what we're so that sums it up for like everything for, for this episode right here. So why don't we why don't we call it um why don't we call it a night here, guys? Um, Bankas, why don't yep. you go first with like your promotions? Already, I actually have something new to promote. Uh, well, first of all, you can find me on my Twitter. That's my main uh, social media uh, site at the moment. It's at uh, MexicanGeek502. Uh, I primarily po- like that's my main account, but I post a lot of sincere stuff there. A lot of I retweet a lot of uh, art. I retweet a lot of news. I I post uh, I- amusing and interesting information about the series from time to time. So if you're interested in that, please be sure to check it out. Also, I have two projects uh, that I'm working on, Sensei related. That, that one of them I've already started working on. So hopefully by the end of the month or maybe mid-November, I can. Well, I can I can announce something related to that in the near future. And the other is I actually created an Instagram account. The username that I that I am using it's Crateris uh, Benjes. It's C R A T E R I S B E N J S. And I intend to, I've actually been drawing uh, uh, as of recent, so I intend to make Sensei illustrations and post them there in the future. So if you want to give me a follow there, uh, eventually I'll, I'll be posting my art on, on that account. Thank you. All right. All right. All right. Well, we'll, 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 we'll me and Conrad Fur, we'll see if we can, we'll, we're, we're definitely going to follow you in that space because like we both, we both have our Instagrams and like what you're going to, um, so it's it's like for, for if you if you decide to do this follow if you decide to follow me and Conrad for you're gonna be just bombarded with toys more so <laughs> like well but we're both equally I think we we both post like a lot of toys but like you post the Conrad for posts post dolls I post more action figures and like other stuff well, okay the so dolls, the dolls have been mostly on my story because yeah. I, I I didn't get the warmest reception when I asked if people would want to see them. Like his actual Instagram posts, so dolls are mostly mm-hmm. on my story because I've been obsessed with Monster High dolls lately. Sorry, and Rainbow High to a much less extent, but um, you can find me um, on Instagram at Common Rider Furry. Like like we said previously, that's where you'll find my collectibles and stuff like that. I do have a few of my Saint Seiya um, collectibles posted on there. I probably should put more. It's mainly when I because I work from home when I'm sitting there with downtime i look over i'm like oh that's a cool figure and then i'll take a picture of it and post on instagram that's that's how much thought i put into my instagram um my twitter is also at common rider furry and you can follow me there and um just see my hilarious quips uh i have not been posting a ton lately just because i've been working so much but um vacation coming up which will be fun you can also follow Ancient Anime. We just released an episode with my best friend, or one of my best friends, where we talked about the Fatal Fury movie and the two OVAs that came before it. And that was so much fun. Um, it it was really, really interesting um, because, and the only reason I'm saying this is because she kind of makes it known to everybody when she introduces it. But that was my first time working on the podcast with somebody openly trans. And it was really okay. cool to see that perspective of how characters are interpreted and story beats are interpreted. And it was just, it was a really cool experience. And I'm so glad that more people are getting to meet my friend Rika because she is really, really fun. And I, if you listen to the episode, it's just us acting like we normally act when we talk with each other around all the time. Um, no, but God. you can find that at Ancient Anime Pod on Twitter and Instagram as well. 
Um, I do some funny edits where I edit our faces onto things. Uh, the one with Rob from the Saturday Morning Squad was probably my favorite one because <laughs> he didn't give me a picture, so I just had to say, "This is Rob." Oh. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just a blank picture. It's just like one of those like blank. It's, um... Mice, it's literally the MySpace like blank profile picture picture. <laughs> yeah, it's just I love it. I love it. That's like, but so like, yeah, you also did anything. a. Uh, but uh. But, uh but yeah, you you can find me there. And I before before we end this podcast, I just want to say that I'm never going to be able to watch this movie ever again without imagining baby Benhas just like on the floor upset about <laughs> Hyoga being evil. Like I will never <laughs> be able to watch this movie normally ever again. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that now you have something to think about. <laughs> you you rewatch the movie. <laughs> just, I'm just gonna have like and I. To to be perfectly clear, I've never seen a photo of what you look like, so I'm just imagining this like almost faceless generic child just crying <laughs> at the television screen. That should be my new avatar. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, guys, I'm now not gonna have that image. I, I, I gotta have to find a way to wipe that image out of my brain. But I have something. I have some things. I got this, some things I gotta promote here. Some very important things. So I think I should have discussed on the top of the show, but but we discussed this on our last show. But I think we can discuss this. I can discuss this briefly, and then I have something to announce concerning this. Um, as you know, I worked on a Saint Seiya game, a fan game by Zenchi Games. I worked on the English translation of the game. I you, you may have heard about this game that you may have heard of me talk about it last episode, but literally last week, not even last week, like a couple of days ago, like. I want to say like Thursday of this week, on which means uh, like the the sixth or seventh, he dropped the game officially on like uh, on Ichi.io. I'll link the I'll link the game on our um I'll link the game on our show on our show notes. And all the other, all the links to all the stuff that we've been up to and all the other stuff that we discussed. Here's the, here's here's an interesting news. I secured an interview with Zaichi, and we're gonna have an interview for for, for talking about the game and like the process of making the game and all that stuff for the next episode. So be on the lookout for our next episode where not only are we going to discuss the, the last the last remaining episodes of, of this current block of the CGI show, but we're also going to have an interview with with, uh, with Zeech and we're going to talk about the game itself. So if you haven't so if you haven't checked out the game yet, it's really it's a really awesome game. It's a Game Boy it's a Game Boy Color game and it's a really fun it's a really fun throwback to like not just like um not just a, it's not it's not just a fun throwback for Saint Seiya fans, but it's also a great game for. For like retro enthusiasts, like because it is kind of the kind of game that you would like find in like a ROM set, and you'd be like, "Oh, I don't know what this Knights of the Zodiac game is, but this game's fun." And that's like kind of the approach I had with the game, where it's, when I translated, it, where it's like it's a kind of game where it's like if you had no idea if this was based on something, you still can get enjoyment out of it, even if you don't know anything about Saint Seiya. Um, I have another podcast. I have the Saturday Morning Squadron. I have recorded a, I recorded a, a very lengthy episode with our, with my friend Jay. We were supposed to do something in that episode, but like we just went off the rails so much that episode that we just said, "Screw it!" We're just, it's just gonna, it's just, uh, it's just three hours of us just talking for about everything because we were supposed to have like a discussion, but like, mm, 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 so that, that that didn't pan out. So instead, which is it's just the three of us just talking in circles about different things. And our next episode, which should be out around the same time that episode, the next this following episode, episode twenty-three. Um, that episode, when when that well, around the time that at that episode, um, around the time that episode um, gets posted, there should be one that comes out before, which will be episode fourteen, which will be our Halloween episode where I get where I join my friend Wiggy. She is a, a horror game streamer, and we're just gonna talk about horror. We're gonna talk about horror stuff like horror movies, horror 
horror video games, horror, everything. So it's like we're gonna have like a, like a horror theme episode. So we're so if you into horrors, give give that a, give that episode a listen. It, it it will be out I think by the time before the next episode comes out. Um, you can find that you can find that also you can find that at our on the website which is satamsquad.tumblr.com. Again, the address is satamsquad.tumblr.com. We finally secured we finally secured a Tumblr for that, so you can you can listen to all the episodes there. And of course, if you want to listen to the show and you want to contribute to the show and you want to find out more information about the show, we have a website. We it is stcosmocast.com. Again, the address is stcosmocast.com. It will be also on our show notes. And you can find out information. You can find out show information. Listen to the episodes on our website and learn a little bit about, about the learn a little bit about the, about the host and learn a little bit about what we've been up to. You know, listen to previous episodes. And also, very important, we also have like a, we also have a, a, a you can also submit all your questions there with as well. So you can check out the email on on the website, or you can email us directly at questions at stcosmocast.com. Again, it's questions at stcosmocast.com. And We'll read it on the air. You can also you can also like add us at st Cosmo, at st Cosmocast on Twitter, and we will we'll t- and you can like get your word out also get the words in also if you want to get something in the show, or you can use the hashtag keep burning at Cosmos all one word, and you can and we'll 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 search that and we'll and we'll respond to it on the show as well. So there's there's a lot of ways that you can get a hold of us. There's a lot of ways you can you can there's a lot of things we're promoting. There's a lot of things that we're that we're doing that we're that we got that we're doing. We're doing different things, and I'm glad that we're doing all these different things. So, yeah. So, with that said, guys, thank you so much for listening. For for Conrad Furry, for Bankos, I am Ramses, and I'm here to tell you keep burning that cosmos. I will see you all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.